When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good afternoon all, Tuesday, 6th December, just gone midday. If you're tucking into your lunch or you're waiting for it to heat up in the microwave, waiting for those little beeps, welcome in. Good to have your company if you're at work or you're home, you're in your car, or you magnificent truckies out there. Love the truck drivers, give them room, people. They take a long time to speed up and a long time to slow down. And we're here for the truckies and the tradies. Good to have all of your company wherever you are around the country or around the world, because you can access us anywhere around the world. Now, what have we got coming up? Georgina Robinson, Sydney Morning Herald rugby journalist. Fantastic rugby brain. Fantastic mind. We'll talk to her after one. After two, Liam Santamaria, NBL analyst with ESPN and host of the Huddle podcast. We're going to talk about the NBL and the breakers are on a tear. A little bit of a hiccup against the Perth Wildcats, but I feel like that was their own making. Actually, they got a determined Perth um, we're going to catch up with Molly Spark. She is the Kiwi Adventure Racer. We caught up with her last week ahead of this 48-hour race through the mountains and fjords and a very young team they've got, Fair Youth. We've been following them for about a year now and they embarked on a very challenging 48-hour race. So I messaged her and said, how long does it take you to recover? We'd love to catch up and see what happened in the race. And she said, good to go. So um, she's a little dynamo. So Molly Spark after three. Jimmy Smith across the ditch. 3.45 and also a biggie today is the vault is worth $350 TRB bonus bet me oh my me oh my here's the clue go back and listen to all the vaults because all the questions are there and it will help you immensely you'll find out what sport it is who's playing where it was what the era is the whole lot it's going to narrow it right down for you so the vault's at about 2.40 2.45 um, and it's draft day too our Tuesday draft day, we're going to do our top fives, me, Sammy and Captain K. But Midday Manus, help. Help. I need your help. This coaching merry-go-round, this coaching Game of Thrones. 
like I've never known anything like this. Is this what the Premier League's normally like? But it's usually only one or two teams. This seems to be every team in the world, except for France and Ireland. And guess what? They're going good. So it's it's is it panic stations circling the wagons, bringing on new coaches? Nine months to the World Cup, one month to the Six Nations. Wales pulled the trigger. England have loaded both barrels. Eddie's going to be gone. Probably Steve Borthwick. I don't know. Where's Razor going to land? Is he prepared to wait? Has he been told something from NZR? Should we hold him? Where does Jamie Joseph sit? What's Dave Rennie's future? I actually, I'm in a spin. So tell me what you think. What's happening? What needs to happen? Leon McDonald, is he the next All Black coach? Ian Foster, is he the next All Black coach? So there's what we want and what we think will happen. So let's chat about that for the first hour. Midday Madness, 0800 150 811, call. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. To the phones we go. We're going to talk to Mikey out of Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. Oh, g'day, Staffy. Jeez, this coaching stuff just a gift that keeps on giving for journos and talkback hosts, isn't it? Oh, no. I sort of thought, well, that's probably it for rugby this year as we build into Christmas. But no, up it comes again. It's like the pimple that never pops. Oh, tell me about it. Hey, look, the, the new Netflix drama coming soon to you, Coach to Survive. The inside the boardrooms of international rugby. Could you imagine? Geez, I'd watch that. Oh, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> oh, it'd be brilliant. It'd be brutal. You'd you'd see what really goes on. Mm. You wonder if there's if there are shenanigans behind the scenes. Did Warren actually take this job, wanting the England job, knowing that he's only a year with Wales, and he's kind of pushed, pulled the trigger on this one? There's a lot. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that could be out there on this. Mm. I think you started the ball rolling, uh, Staffy, at the start of the year. Um, if, if memory serves, around I don't know, was it March, April, you you asked all us punters about who, how many uh, games would the All Blacks win, and it was around the coaching scenario, really, mm. I think. Mm. And uh, and ever since then, it's just been coaching apocalypse all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's unreal, isn't it? I just don't. I, I, there's so many machinations. There are, and I, if anything, um, and yes, this is my Canterbury patch on and that, but I feel a little bit sorry for Razor in the sense now. Now that they've pulled the trigger with Wales, and it sounds like this Borthwick fella uh, may be the go-to, then the NZA you kind of don't have to do anything, do they? So. Where does that leave Razor? Twiddling his thumbs again? Because they've shown an inability to communicate. There's a very well-trodden story, which I've heard from someone who's also inside um, the Canterbury camp, um, regarding the fact that he he had the job before that South African game. Yeah. Um, And that's going to come out one day and it's going to hurt NZAU when the full details come out. Um, So I don't know. Where Where does it leave him? That's my only big question about the whole thing. Mm. I'd love him to go overseas because because it would give him that international experience and, and hopefully some credibility on that stage. Um, but even Warren Gatlin said that, uh, you know, the best coach in the country should be the next all-back coach. 
Yes, he so, did. And here's the other thing. So whether that's Warren playing games or not, I don't know him well enough to know that. But And he fluffed yeah. up Razor, right? He fluffed up Razor, which made me think of one other thing, that Warren Gatlin's got them to the World Cup, and then Scott Robinson, his head coach of Wales, with Warren Gatlin, director of rugby or something. And so yep. <coughs> that's yep. a possibility. <laughs> and as for the Australia rumours, oh, God. I mean, how many? It seems like a graveyard for Kiwi coaches. So, <laughs> oof, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with poor old Rennie. You know, yeah, we, all, know. we all know he's a good coach, but geez, with what he's had to put up with injury-wise and the cattle they have, it's just really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's really difficult. And I'll be talking to Georgina. I'll be asking her about Rennie as well. But yeah, so many, so many factors. Cool, cool, Mikey. Thanks for kicking us off. Okay. Thanks, mate. Cheers, che- cheers buddy. We'll go to Zade out of Auckland. G'day, Zade. Hello, Zaid. I'm from, talking about the All Black coaches. Yeah. Um, I've got another. I've got another story about um, old Spud. So um, one day they were playing um, for Australia and England, and uh, Mark, uh, what's his name, MG, who played for Australia. Mark Geyer. Mark Geyer. So um, one day they were they lost to England, and there was these England fans talking a bit of crap to Mark Gower, uh, Mark Geyer, and then um, they, he said they went back in the taxi. Um, the the drunk English fans, and, and then um, Carol said he was standing next to him, and then uh, um, he said, "I haven't said good." Um, MG said, "I haven't said goodbye properly," and apparently he knocked one of the England fans straight out in the taxi. <laughs> That's pretty random, Zaid. <laughs> and then they said, "I'm um, also Brad Fittler." They were doing fireworks out of their hotel, and they had to do them outside the window, and you could see like all these smoke, and it was going on to like um like passenger like people on that walking. Because they were like in their hotels in England and that, and then have like fireworks and stuff. And then um, one day they'd like be playing like rugby league in the hotel, and like one of them kicked the ball through the window and smashed the window to pieces and stuff. But it didn't shatter because it was double glazed. But yeah, it's a pretty good book. Oh, sounds a good book, Sade. Sounds a good book. Now back yeah. to the All Black coaching and world coaching. Where do you think Scott Robertson's going to end up? All Black coach? Well, he's either going to end up at the All Blacks or the Crusaders. It seems like now. Because um, it doesn't it sounds like that Steve Bork, what's his name, Borkwood's going to be taking over the All Blacks coach. It seems England. pretty much, I mean, England coach seems pretty much confirmed. Um, Eddie Jones is going to be gone. And um, I don't want to be mean, but I'm going to be about Warren Gatlin. Well, he was never up to par for the Chiefs. What is he? They lost pretty much every game when he coached the Chiefs, so that never worked out for him. And um, might as well go and coach back Wales. I guess he's just taking his old job, old job back pretty much, you know. Ian Foster um, lost most of his games with the Chiefs as well, and he's the All Black coach. Yeah, well, I don't know about that either. But um, <laughs> I reckon still, um, unless we win the World Cup, but I can't see it, I'd have Scott Robinson or Leon McDonald. I'm not bothered either all. I'd rather Scott Robinson because I think he's way more experienced that he knows he's won titles in the NPC and Super Rugby. But if he doesn't, if they don't want to give him the job, then is it Leon McDonald's job either than Foster? I don't know. Um, because it seems it's kind of sim- similar to the Robbie Dean story. They always mucked him around, didn't they, really? <laughs> they did. So, they did, say Lots of calls here. That, Thanks so. for calling, bud. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Um, got plenty of calls now, which is cool. Uh, we go to Ed Tolliger, mate. Kia ora, Ed. Kia ora, Savvy. Uh, kia ora, Ken. Uh, Ed, my mate. Um, bro, Razor should have their job for the All Blacks, bro. Mm, I know he should. Yep, he should. Um, the way they... I don't know, someone said that they uh, took his coaching staff. They said he had the job, but then they didn't give him the job. Mm. Wow. Because, you know, because they closed the door on him in England. 
with that um the second in command, Eddie Jones is gone, the fellow behind him is gonna take that one. Yep. Yeah, and then there's the rumours about Aussie. Well, don't go to Aussie, bro. <laughs> yeah, like like Mike said, uh, they we coaches go over there to die. Our Kiwi coaches, or oh, Robbie D, Rennie. And yeah. then so yeah, I'm hoping old Razor gets the All Blacks. You know, even if it's not this World Cup, after the all, you know, after that. Yeah, I don't think it'll um, be this World Cup. I don't think, but nah, nah. But uh, I wanted to catch the All Blacks, not another international thing. Mm, I know. I'm the but same. Other than that, um. Uh, I'm getting a growling at work there. Uh, my cousin's back at work, but he's um, he's uh, he's pretty beaten up. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just did his iron moldy over the weekend. Did he? Yeah, it was this weekend. Oh, uh, the weekend's just too... gone. So um, down in Hawke's Bay. He's walking around like a yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he just got back. Um, uh, he was still down there Monday, so he must have driven up. So, but first day at work, and boy, when I saw him this morning. I could get smart on him. He couldn't touch me. <laughs> That's well, I am awesome. actually getting smarter than Matthew. But he gave, me, he gave me a growling for my faux pas last week on the radio. Oh, yes, the big faux pas. Don't make another one. Yes. Yes, that's right. He goes, boy, it's taken him this long to do one, so I was quite happy about that. But anyway, he's, he's trying to ground me this morning. But you can't catch me. You can't catch me. <laughs> Good man, Ed. We've got lots of calls here, brother. Good to hear from you. Later. See you, boy. Uh, John, Auckland. G'day, John. Hey, Steffi. Uh, yeah, very interesting. I, I, I just for the other callers too. I think he should get the job um, pretty much instantaneously once the All Blacks lose the World Cup. Um, but in saying that, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people might, might hate me for this, but I think Ireland and France have already peaked. Okay. New Zealand and South Africa. If you watch them throughout that um, autumn series, they call it, they actually started playing the better rugby. South Africa actually started running the ball, mate. I like South Africa. I, I fancy South Africa next year. I think 2023 is going to be a good year for South Africa. I really do. Yeah, I think so too, mate. And I think it'll be a good year for the All Blacks too. I think, yeah, like I said, Ireland have never made a semi final. Um, there's always pressure there, as you know, when the All Blacks trying to win another World Cup. Um, that can tell, and then at at home, France always they always falter, mate. But then again, they've always got one game in them, and they it's always have, against the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. They save up their best for us, don't they, the buggers? Yeah, exactly, mate. But yeah, just on their coaching gig, you know, again, I don't think Razor will go to Australia. Looks like Eddie Jones is going to be coaching USA, um, and yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see because USA didn't qualify. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. First time in a long time, or maybe the second time ever, or something like that. But yeah, so Eddie Jones had been linked to USA. Now he's being linked back to the Wallabies, which is kind of interesting too. Well, who knows, mate? It's a bit of a merry-go-round, isn't it? I know. I can't make sense of it. There's so much going on. Uh, But John, good to chat to you, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Now, let's go to Graham in Marlborough, formerly Northland, up the Tandy Far. G'day, Graham. Hey, Steph, just quickly... um Firstly to Sam, I hope you're feeling better, mate. I've had a couple of those procedures and it's never nice. Secondly, uh, I said yesterday to your staff that I would throw you overboard. Yeah. Telling me the dart score. Well, I apologise for that. That's not something that I would do and I shouldn't have said it on the radio. And I, so I apologise to your staff. I, would, I wouldn't do that. That's all right. Make I... Sure I, kicked your, I just make sure I kicked your ass in darts. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was in Jess Graham, I know. 
Yeah, no, I just wanted to, yeah, I don't know the sort of thing I would say. But anyway, and to the rugby, at least Wales and sounds like England are brave enough to pull the trigger. Mm. You know, like like it's a business staff, eh? That's my, that's my thing too. In, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. They're, and they're, it's a business, they're, they're in a business of winning. You know, what? and I listened to Ricardo's interview this morning with the uh, Welsh guy and he said no other international team in the world would have picked Wayne Pivak, would have hired Wayne Pivak. Mm. He wasn't that good, you know. So, like, at least they're brave enough to pull the whether it's the right decision or not. It probably is because you know we Wales understand that Warren's a reasonably good coach, and they probably have to get rid of Eddie just because he's lost the dressing room. Now, the New Zealand Rugby Union weren't weren't and aren't brave enough to pull the trigger with Ian Foster. One test, you know, they they had a contract in front of Scott Mor- Scott Robertson. The All Blacks won that second test, and, and he kept his job. That was that was wrong. That was a fatal. Whether he wins the World Cup or not, it was a wrong thing to do to a person. You know, they shouldn't treat they shouldn't have treated Scott Robertson like that, or or Ian Foster for that matter. You know, they they should have been brave enough to pull the trigger. Yeah, I. You know, I uh, it's the it's same. It's the same as how they've treated Peter Gus. Yeah. You know that that's 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 shoddy. That's shoddy stuff. You know, you don't treat people like that. You know, we're in the, we're, we're, you and I are both in the game of our businesses. They've got to make money. And if they're not making money, they look at why they're not making money. And if it's us, well, we get a talking to. With Ian Foster, it's, it's about winning games. And he's 68% not good enough as an all-black coach. So pull the trigger. Mm, bang on, Graham. I still, I, still, I still think they've got time to do it. Personally, I think if he's... Scott, you know, pull the trigger now, and then he's got all of the Scott, the Super Rugby to look at. He knows the players he would want. That's why he didn't go on the New Zealand A tour because he didn't want to coach that team. It wasn't the players that he would pick. Yeah. So pull the trigger, man. That's and, it. But yeah, it's not. It's not going to happen, sadly. But at least Wales and England were brave enough to do it. Mm. Bang on, Craig. You got to tip your hat to them. Yes, you do. You do. You Cheers, do. mate. Cheers, Great buddy. You, Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Another Graham in Christchurch. G'day, Graham. Oh, God, g'day, Steffi. How are you, mate? Good, good thanks, Graham. Oh, great. Yeah, good, good calls today. Yeah, no, I agree with um, everyone, everyone else, um, to, you know, more or less. Uh, I mean, I just think, you know, Razor, you know, Warren Gatlin's right on the money. You know, he's not involved with New Zealand rugby, so he doesn't have to, you know, watch his back. So, you know, he's been honest and... And saying what a lot of people outside of New Zealand are saying, and apart from fans here in the here in New Zealand, of course, that overwhelmingly think Scott Robertson should be the coach. Um, yeah, I mean the, the whole thing is just ridiculous from start to finish, from back in 2019. I mean, it does make me laugh a bit that some people swore blind that he'd be the English coach, <laughs> and now that looks like. I mean, the thing is, people don't know what's going to happen until it's actually announced. So he may well end up with the all-black job, yet I know people think that that's gone completely. But the New Zealand Rugby Union must be desperate. I mean, otherwise, they're crazy. You know, they're going to get second best if they get Leon McDonald. Um, he's a good coach, but not, he's not Scott Robertson either. Um, and if, he do, if, they don't, if they don't pick him up early and he goes somewhere else, well, good luck to him. I mean, it's just... Um, it's a preposterous situation, really. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, and get, you know, Warren Gatland, I think it's just fantastic that he's come out and said this, and you know, that 
keeping the pressure. I mean, he's a Kiwi, even though he's coached Wales and back with Wales and been with the Lions and other places. Um, but he knows the score in New Zealand. He's an ex-All Black, and he knows the politics of New Zealand rugby himself, because he was. He did have aspirations for the All Black job himself at one stage. But, mm. yeah, no, good, 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 good luck to him. And, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with him. I'm the same, mate. I'm the same, Graham. Good call. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Good man. Thanks, Warren. I mean, Warren. That's all right. Yeah, I'm off to coach Wales. Good on you, Graham. We'll have a quick break. We'll come back with Dean and Joey and uh, anyone else who wants to call 0800 150 Back in a moment. Welcome back in. Uh, full border calls. G'day. Uh, who's first semi? Zane from Paraparaumu. G'day, Zane. G'day, mate. Stuck inside today. Um, a bit, bit windy down here, so I thought I'd give you a call if somewhere quiet for once. Yeah, nice. Hey, um, Interesting, like um, Graham's from Tolliga Bay's comment, like about being brave. Um, for me, I look at it the complete opposite side, mate. It's it's not brave, it's smart. I think um, it's irrational for us to try and, as in New Zealand, you know, New Zealand rugby, to justify not moving um, Foster on now. If you if you base it purely on performance, and then you, you could argue that 12 months isn't enough time, but we have a, a real world success story in South Africa. That's proven that's not the case. You've got a guy here who knows every player in New Zealand. He's played you know, with half of them. He's observed you know, on his teams or he's played against them. So he's not coming in from zero, right? The team's got the infrastructure there for him to take over. It just seems illogical they don't move quicker. Yeah, I was thinking about that point this morning. And look here, look at the impact Jason Ryan had in two weeks. Two weeks, and the and the All Black forwards were much more effective. I mean, you, you look at Dave Dillon, mate. That guy had never been a head coach in his life. He left NEC, goes to Kobe. Kobe is one of the bottom three of two or three teams in Japan. First year there, he takes them to the championship. Does it back to back the next year? Granted, he had the backup of um, Ian Smith as an advisor of head of rugby, but you know. The, the players in these teams have the experience and, and the skill to adapt. And if you bring the person in with the, with the right logical process of how to take them there, 12 months is probably twice the amount of time you need, mate. You know, that's why it's not a, a risk for me for Gatlin going back to, to Wales or it's not a risk for them firing Eddie Jones because whoever they hire has already been looking at the job as if they were there you know, months in advance. So it just seems illogical that we're not prepared to take that um, smart decision. And who holds Mark Robinson accountable for this? The public. <laughs> but but it's, New Zealand rugby is owned by New Zealand citizens, right? It's our, yes. it's our game. Mm. But, you know, who is the board of New Zealand rugby and, and how were they elected and why is there not more um, public opinion taken, you know? It's it's just, I don't know, it's beyond me, to be honest. And listening to that Mark Robinson interview the other day, it's just, he speaks more gobbledygook than um, Stephen Kearney used to. <laughs> How would that inspire anyone? He, he, he should be leader of one of the political parties. Everyone would jump in behind him because you can say a lot without saying anything. Oh, fantastic. Zane, we've got to push on to the news. Thanks heaps for the call, buddy. Yeah, Awesome. Uh, Zane, beautiful part of the world. Quick two-minute break, Dino. Sorry for taking so long to get to you. We'll get to you after the news, sport and weather, which will just be a couple of minutes. 
Welcome back in. Calls to get through. Uh, just to confirm, we're going to have Murray Mexted on in about 10 minutes, which will be great to catch up with him. He obviously coaches the coaches. Dean from Dunedin. G'day, Dino. That last statement you just said about coaching the coaches, that says it all, mate. Like, mm. I was lucky enough to meet Phil Gifford down here when that in place, mate. And I wouldn't mind ringing him up and saying, mate, should we write a book about the donut failed players into coaches? We've got a real problem in New Zealand, Staffy, of a pathway for those people that actually love the game and give up their Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and a couple of marriages because they like bloody coaching rugby. They never get a crack. They're actually coaches. We give all these jobs, the plum jobs, to ex-players. Some of them work, but it's a very, very small collective field that works. You could write a hell of a book on failed ones, and then just to not be so negative, you could actually have the last chapter on Razor Robinson, but how, it defies logic that he's not the all-black coach. Mm. Like, the, the the whole process is flawed. Like, there was no point Robinson staying in South Africa, babysitting Foster. The results shouldn't have mattered. Like, how do we know South Africa just decided, well, Jesus, it might not do us any favours if we win this test. They took their captain off to see how they would react under pressure. They're learning. Because if he gets hurt in an important game, they need Malcolm Marks on the field. They've got to have someone to replace him. So they just took him off. And against us, really, if you want to win, do you take your captain off? Mm. So it's everywhere. Like, I looked at softball, and I loved that World Series. And we were probably a little bit robbed by the Blues. But the games that we did lose in that tournament, Sorensen was completely outcoached. Like, our batters were still swinging for the fence. When we played Japan and they just nudged it around, bounced it here, slapped it, bunted it, ran like buggery, that we're still swinging for the fence. We've got ducks on the pond and we're trying to be the glory. You know, we're trying to hit it into the grandstand when a slap would have won us that game. It's everywhere in New Zealand sport. Sometimes outstanding players are just better off to buy the Mike King depression book and take a grip and get a job. Because it doesn't make you a great coach just because you were an outstanding player. Mm. And that's a huge problem in New Zealand rugby. Yep. I agree. I agree. Dean, we've got to push on. We've got another call, <clears throat> excuse me, call to get to, and then Murray Mixer. But I appreciate your call as always, Dino. And Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, go, Steph. Yeah, look, you know, like Dino said, what well, he says right too, but it's a no brainer too, Steph. You know, if um, if Razor Robinson coached um, Leinster to six titles or, or to Transvaal in South Africa to five or six titles, he would be the next in line to be coaching South Africa or, or England, you know, and we don't want to lose him to England in that to give them, them the benefit of his, his coaching skills, you know. We need him here coaching us. So hopefully he, they've told him, you know, in the New Zealand Rugby Union, because if they haven't told him and he goes, Mark Robinson should go and so should the board because that's what you build yourself around, Pat. You know, you turn around and go, right, um, who is the best guy for, for this job? Well, the best guy, you know, at the moment, at the moment, the All Blacks, you've got to get 80% plus wins to be uh, a good coach or a reasonable coach to coach the All Blacks because it's our number one sport. 
And if you're not up to 80% or more, you don't have to get, like Steve Hansen got to 95 or 91. Okay, he had a very good side. If you get 80% or more, you've done a reasonable job. If you don't get 80%, you're not a, you haven't done a good job for New Zealand rugby or, or, or for the New Zealand public. It's simple, mate. It's a no-brainer. You keep him here. It's like keeping Wayne Smith here or, or whatever. Look what they've just done with Phil Burrows. They've brought a guy back from, from, from Australia who's been over in, in, in Victoria coaching the women and the Aussie uh, um, hockey are very good. He's coming back to coach the New Zealand Blacksticks. Now, you watch them go. He's had 300-odd games for New Zealand. He's passionate about it. The same as Robinson. Yeah. You've got to give you've got to keep them in. No two ways about it, mate. Good comparison, Joey. Good comparison that one. Thank you, my friend. Always good to hear from you. I said, I said we're going to have Murray Mexted, but he's in a bad reception area. It was sort of cutting out as Captain K called him. So we'll keep trying and hopefully we'll get him before too long. But had some good text messages come in. So let's get through some of those uh, from PJ. Staffy, I'm hearing NZRU review of All Blacks end of year two coming out next week. Maybe, just maybe, New Zealand rugby may take the opportunity to follow England and Wales and start afresh and sack Foster. <laughs> there will be a review um, and I, I I sort of compare if you're going to compare maybe the All Blacks and the Wallabies like we we won we won a lot of games in a row didn't we the All Blacks in a draw and so on results in the second half of the All Blacks season it looks okay Um you know, won far more than we lost. Did we win seven in a row or didn't lose seven in a row? Something like that. Um, so you know what the review's going to say. You just know what the review's going to say. Um, Staffy from Ken, uh, with Paul Tito now Blues assistant coach, maybe it's time for Leon after the World Cup to move up a level. As for Razor, overseas is the only option and it gets really strange. You do. I do feel like, and we're just left to guess. I do feel like Leon McDonald's more the NZRU fit. And if I'm talking about fit, where does Razor Robertson fit? If he doesn't fit in New Zealand, and that's not according to the public, that's just the feeling you get from NZRU. He doesn't quite fit their mould. He fits the Wallabies' mould. I think he fits the Wallabies' mould. I don't think they'll tip out Dave Rennie. They're doing a review as well. Jeez, I might I might come back in my next life as a rugby reviewer because, um, geez, you get employed a lot. The All Blacks have had three or four this year. Um, but Razor would fit the Wallabies if they want to part ways with Rennie. But would he take the Wallabies job? I just don't know. Maybe Razor already knows he's got the All Blacks job at the end. They just haven't said anything. Maybe Ian Foster knows he's finished at the end of the World Cup and hasn't said anything. We just don't know. Um England had a perfect trio in Razor, O'Gara and Borthwick, but for some reason they would not work together. Maybe their egos are bigger than their ability. Yeah, I thought that's the way they would go. And again, we're left to guess. Um, and it hasn't come out yet who the England head coach will be, but it does all of the drums are beating for Borthwick and they feel it's time for an English guy to take the lead. Maybe they talk to Razor about going in partnership with Borthwick or assistant coach to Borthwick, and I don't think Razor would do that. He's a head coach. He'll only take a head coach. Um, And I don't think Razor's got an ego. It's just like you do have to look after your garden first, and 
he believes he's good enough to be a head coach, and I think everyone does. Uh, and as I sort of, maybe Warren Gatland is going to be head coach of Wales and then raise her at the end of that. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Staffy, one more thing on the Gatland haters, other New Zealand media especially out there. Gatland may not have been recently successful in New Zealand, but what he does works for the Northern Hemisphere and he has an excellent record with Wales and the Lions. Where do the best teams currently come from? Up north. Best wishes to Warren and go the Razor. He's been very successful at Wales. People have been saying on various discussion boards that he's an overrated coach. I don't think so. He's he's had a successful coaching career. Three, three Six Nations titles, Lions tours. You don't get picked to be head coach three times for the Lions if you're, if you're not a good coach. Dave from Palmy. G'day, Dave. Hey, Staffy. How you doing? Good, hey, thanks. Look, um, I, just, I heard you talking about the All Blacks, and like I know we're allowed to disagree, I don't think they had a good year. When you look at and that first test, we got out by the skin of our teeth. Anyway, the coaches. I got, I got a mate in Wales that gave me some hot oil, well, oil last week about Gats, well, two weeks before it happened. So, And he told me another couple of things, and this is... This will throw the cat amongst the pigeons. He said, Razor's a done deal for the England job and will probably coach the Lions in 2029 against the All Blacks. Joe Smith will take over from Ian Foster and Ronan O'Gara will come and be his assistant to get international experience. He'll go back and take over from Farrell, who will leave Ireland and go and coach Wigan. And Steve Tandy will take over from Gats after the World Cup. Wales, there you go. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, amazing. So, and this guy's come to be, you know, so hey, I might be full of it, but that he's, he's been pretty reliable before. So, well, his first yeah. domino's fallen correctly with the Gatlin call. Yeah, I'm not sure about the England, I'm not sure about the England, but I don't think. They won't do any good with Borthwick. He's been there before, and I think he was there under Eddie Jones. And as you know, his nose will start bleeding. He's the only man I know that had a bleeding nose every time he played rugby. Oh, it bled during the anthems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he bled more than Richie McCaw. He did. Unbelievable. He did. Oh, uh, yeah. Good. That's what I heard anyway. Yeah. All right, it mate. Sort of makes, sort of makes sense. I actually think two weeks ago, I actually would have agreed with the Razor Robertson thing to England, I, but I feel like something may have changed there, and I don't know. But we wait with bated breath. I, I, I think the stumbling block is just that he's not English. They really want an English coach. Yeah. And they haven't got the cattle to coach, you know. And, like, and I don't know if he fits their mould, you know. You break dancing at Twickenham, yeah, I'm not so sure. I think he'll park the break dancing. Once he gets international, he'll park the break dancing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. yeah, good on you, Dave. It'd be horrible though if he it'd be horrible if he coaches the Lions against us in 2029. Though Jeez. that will be horrid, absolutely horrid. What a tour! Jeez. Oh my goodness! Yeah. 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 Okay, Steph, take care, mate. Good on you, buddy. Good on you. Thank you, Dave. Um, and Steve says I agree with Dino. Because you're an ex-player, also doesn't mean you're a good CEO, <laughs> Mike Robinson. One more. Uh, Gats, 10-man line tactics versus South Africa were a ball fest. Kick for 75 minutes, pass for five minutes. Too late, lost Craig Tauranga. 
Yeah, he's a, he's an acquired taste, Warren Gatland, and his style, but he has had success. Uh, last break, come back, more texts to get through, and hopefully Murray Mix did not too far away. Afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. We're going to try Mix just after one o'clock. Uh, Murray Mixted. Um, text from Mark saying, I believe Razor will be coach after Rugby World Cup 23. Until then, I'm sick of hearing the I heard and apparently and maybe chat from fickle fans talking down on Fozzie and Kane because their preferred choice isn't in the job yet. Always up for debate, but some people have taken the topic too far. Comment sections have become feral, and certain fans of a champion Super Rugby side have just become downright unbearable to even talk to about it. As a national team, it would be good to have national support. It's from Mark, and he sent a follow-on up saying, yet again another, I heard maybe apparently coaching appointment. (laughs) It's speculation. Um, There is a whole lot of speculation there. And... At the root of it all, we want the All Blacks to be as good as we can, as as good as they can, and the, the right people in the right job. It's like Labour and National. you got Jacinda fans, you've got Luxon fans, you've got, what's that other bloke's name, Seymour fans, you've got Chloe Swarbrick fans, you've got Winston Peters fans, and they're all adamant they're right. But as many people think they're right, they're not. And the other ones think they're not. Um, Staffy. You dismissed Foster's sacking too quickly. I was told there's no belief Foster can win the World Cup. The mood for change now has been buoyed by Wales and England and possibly Aussie facing reality. Interesting what the chain reactions are going to be. Um, Wales have filled their coach. England are about to fill their coach. And the only two that aren't affected are the two that have been winning. England and France, not even talked about. And that goes back to, and I'm going to bring this up with Murray Mexted, um, all year was saying the world's catching up to the All Blacks, the world's catching up, the world's past the All Blacks. Except for France and Ireland. And I almost think, and is it too insular to think, I almost feel like this coaching merry-go-round is because the All Blacks are gone not as well as we're used to, and Scott Robertson's on the market. Has that created all of this carnival atmosphere of trying to pick a coach because there's a good one out there, but no one's sneered him yet. No one has sneered him yet. Um, It's fascinating. It's fascinating. But I I do take point with that previous text about the feral nature. There's no need to get personal. There's no need to say that this person's a loser or because <clears throat> that's not what it's about. It's okay to say I don't think they're the right person for the job because there's a better person for the job, but I do not support attacking people personally at all. And and I know that most of you don't either. Um, one from Sean saying, I've got one from out of left field. Uh, Razor and McMillan for All Blacks coach and Rennie back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs would have him back in a heartbeat. They would have him back in an absolute heartbeat. Uh, from Craig Staff, oh, I'm keen for Razor to coach my international team. Well, any team other than the Crusaders, and I'm a Blues fan. <laughs> yes, the merry-go-round continues. Uh, in the next half hour, as long as Murray Mexted's in a better reception area, we'll be talking to him, and also Georgina Robinson. She's the Sydney Morning Herald uh, senior rugby journalist. The coaching Game of Thrones. What she make of it? What she heard? How does she think the pieces will land? Fascinating subject. 
and no real answers. But we'll keep going. Here's the news. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, tally-ho by the Clean. Um, the sad news that Hamish Kilgour, one of the founding members of the Clean, passed away this morning or yesterday. So we always mark the passing of uh, uh, the music industry and he was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame of New Zealand. So, um, yeah, a real formative part of the music industry in New Zealand. I think they're out of Dunedin, the Clean. Um, Dunedin provided so many of the sort of the indie bands of that era and so the sad passing of him they actually did they bought out an album from memory I'm not sure if it was him or his brother but they bought an album called uh, Absolutely and they did a remake of all these ABBA songs and they changed their name to Cloth something a little bit different for you but we're back on the coaching merry-go-round now and this is a guy I really wanted to talk to because he coaches the coaches he's worked with a lot of these guys he knows about mindset and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Murray Mexter joins us. And Mex, um, I was just making the point before the news about the only teams that aren't being discussed at the moment are France and Ireland with their coaching setups because they've had fantastic seasons. It's 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 hard to know where it's going to end, Murray. Well, that's the that is the question. Good good afternoon, Steph. How are you, mate? Um, yeah, in my view, they are the top two seeds, aren't they? They're yep. clearly the top two seeds everyone else is chasing at the moment. But um, the gap's closed between about the top six or seven sides, really, and anyone could win, which I, I guess has got to be exciting. And we're, we're in the group now. We're no longer at the, the, head of the, the, the head of the group. We're in the middle of it. So um, it's a matter of who performs from now, isn't it? It is. Um We've seen, interestingly, quite an aggressive stance by Wales. They they sack and hire. It looks like England are going to sack and hire. Um, a lot of people are saying that, that New Zealand won't do that because, you know, you only get nine months until the World Cup. Nine months is long enough, isn't it? Because I saw the change Jason Ryan made in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation, isn't there? And particularly in the media, and some of it is, you know, badly resourced, but uh, um, you know the, the Welsh thing. He's had a shocking time, hasn't he, Pivac, with mm. the team recently? Um, and I know that he did well in the in the Six Nations, but um, it's a different ball game, I think, at the moment. And so, and Gatland, you can sort of see why they, you know, they were successful under Gatland um, for a long period of time you know, reasonably successful. Um, so they've gone back to the uh, to what they know is going to work and, and uh, you, know, you can't blame them. I'd be surprised if Eddie Jones was sacked. I, I think that's full speculation. He announced his retirement at the end of the World Cup and um, I think that he's been trying out a lot of players and you'd have to say they... Uh, they are, one, you know, one of the top four, four teams, aren't they? So they could come through yet. 
that's a, a good possibility. Because the thing about coaching at this elite level is you get a group of men who are at the top of their game. And so it's not about coaching, catch and pass and all of that. So what do you see as the key attributes? Because you've worked with most of these guys that are on the international circuit now. What, what are the key attributes that they will need to take into different environments? I think the number one is to create the right environment where players can perform at their maximum um, as a team. So that's, that's number one. Now, you don't get worse as a coach. You get better. The more, you, the more experience you have, the better you become if you have the ability to create that environment. And, that, and that's the guts of it, really. Uh, you can be a very good assistant coach, um, but assistant coach role and a, and a head coach role are totally different. You know, the role, the head coach role now is, is, a, is the person that manages the whole situation. I call it the environment, the rugby environment, what needs to happen. And he will appoint assistant coaches that he thinks can get the best um, out of the team, which is what Foster's done with, with Ryan, hasn't he? He clearly, last time I spoke to you, I think I identified there were three areas that they had to tidy up before the Rugby World Cup, and that was the front row, uh, the midfield backs and the loose forwards. And I think that in many respects, um, the appointment of Jason Ryan has it looks to have resolved the front row a certain amount and, and we're not so concerned about that now. Um, the midfield backs, where there have been a lot of injuries, I will say, um, it looks like they might be on the, on the right road. Um, Geordie Barrett has been a success in the midfield where we have had injuries. And with Leonard Brown coming back, then you'd have to say um, we now have options. Uh, because Awani, you know, is primarily a winger, isn't he? Who sort of would send in the centre to, to cover that role and to see how he would grow. Uh, so I think there's going to be an interesting selection battle between Leonard Brown and Awani. Um, so, you know, I'm not so concerned now about the midfield backs as I was. And that leaves the loose forwards. And I think Scott Barrett has answered the call there. We, you need to have somebody who is dominant in the air, a third lock so to speak but a lock who's got the ability to play as a as a blindside flanker or a number eight irrespective um and i think scott barrett's put up his hand and said i'm the man because he is commanding in the air mm. line out time but also kickoffs which are really vital so i think um you know that criteria for the head coach is vital if you can create that environment and you can appoint coaches that can do the business in the various areas you know, whether it's defence, whether it's forwards, whether it's backs, whatever you classify them at, then that's the key to it. Uh, if you can't create the environment, you're going to have a lot of inconsistency. And that is why I think there is so, ma so much speculation uh, with the top three or four teams uh, that aren't uh, as performing as consistently as they were, you know, in the past. And I'm, I'm referring, obviously, to England, but also to the All Blacks and to Australia. Um, a certain degree. Do, do you think, and again, we're left to speculate all the time when it comes to New Zealand rugby, do you think Razor Robertson fits the mould for the all-black coach through the board's eyes? Well, that's um, the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, through, the, 
you use the word through the board's eyes. Yes. So to answer your question precisely, I'd like to know who the appointments panel is because mm. we don't, we never really know, do we? The board make a decision, but at one stage the appointments panel was, I think, was about six different people, including uh, uh, people from Sport New Zealand. So, you know, I think that's one thing that needs to be resolved, and and I and I believe there should be an appointments committee, and on that committee it should be a committee of a small number of people, not a large number of people. Uh, you know, three people sounds like a good number to me, and you know we've had. We've had that for many years, haven't we, really? It just recently it's sort of become a group decision. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you could have a, a panel of three with a very um, experienced senior coach, um, then, of course, you've got people with some credibility um, to make that opinion. I don't think the average board member of the New Zealand board has the ability to point um, the right coach. I don't think that I don't think they have that skill set. I mean, there's a difference between being on the board and being on a selection panel for the All Black coach. I'm with you, Murray. I'm with you. Um, that's why we got you on. Salient points as always, my friend. And they were obviously listening because they fixed the front row, the midfield and the loose forward. So we'll get you back on at the start of next year to tell them what to look out for, eh? And you can advise via us. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we do need, um, seeing you hit that, is we need the players that have been selected now to play consistently with those players around them. So there is a, a thing called combinations. And I'll give you an example, uh, Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu. You know, what a beautiful com- balancing combination that is. Mm. The more they played together, the better they became. And that's the, that is the risk, of course, when you're trying out different players, trying to resolve who, you, who your squad is. Um, that they don't get enough time in the saddle together. And I think that's the most important thing from now on for the Rugby World Cup is for the All Black head coach and selectors to make sure they select their team consistently so we can build some some relationships and some rhythm and flow. Something I wanted to ask you about, Murray, was, and it's... It's my observation. It might be just a personal view. I feel like there's, like the the Rugby World Cup is important. It's an important prize, but it seems to have diluted pretty much everything else. Uh, and from this neck of the woods, except for probably the Bledisloe and a Lions tour, but everything's always about building for a World Cup, building for a World Cup. Is it is it too high up in the picking order? Possibly, but I don't think so, really. At the end of the day, the Rugby World Cup is the the most significant event in the rugby calendar, isn't it? Mm. And the, the, the problem you're, you're asking is, or you're raising, is that the Rugby World Cup is only every four years. Um, and, um, but you'd have to say, though, that most successful uh, periods or tenures are, are those that are consistent over a period of at least of about four years or more. Mm. Uh, so if you look back in history and look back at the time that uh, a head coach ran the show with success, um, they they often had four, five, six years at the helm. Um, chopping and changing, um, I don't think is um, is good. Um, we've had a, a marvelous record 
over a hundred years, haven't we? Mm. Of about, um, you know, something like what is it, seventy nine percent or something, isn't it? Seventy nine percent, seventy nine point something, anyway. And that's magnificent. But um, you get that when you get a little bit of continuity, um, and you can't chop and change. I, I'm surprised that Wales uh, have sacked Pivac with one year to go. I think it's a, it's a. Uh, a lot to do with a new coach, but Gatlin would have been the only one that would be qualified to take that role because he's so close to it and he's just immediate past head coach, isn't he? But with Dave Rennie, I mean, they'd be crazy if they changed Dave Rennie and England would be crazy if they changed Eddie Jones, quite frankly. And it's got to that stage um, with Ian Foster now too, you know, to, to destabilise uh, the World Cup campaign um, you know, half a dozen big matches out from the World Cup, because there are a few not so big matches. Um, you know, it would be a, b- a bad move, um, and it would be a reckless move. And I don't think the New Zealand Rugby Union are going to do that. Um, so now, what we want to see to have our best opportunity is to to have the players that they aren't quite sure about um, playing in the Super Rugby competition, and then for them to pick their um, their test squad uh, because it's not a test team anymore it's a test squad um, you know for the rugby championship and stick with those guys Last thing I wanted to ask you about Murray was we've got a, we've got a rugby world cup well this is on the back of uh, Sansa well it's not Sansa anymore whatever it is the super rugby thing it's going to be unchanged pretty much the same format uh, till 2030 so we've got a rugby world cup in 23 27 31. Do you think there's a room and a little bit of innovation to create something in the two years in between, so 25, 29, 33? So instead of waiting four years for a pinnacle event, have a semi-pinnacle, and whether that's a a top eight type scenario, whether it's uh, every two years everyone goes on tour like the Lions tour here, I think New Zealand's a perfect place to tour because you can have three tests, five super franchises games, New Zealand Māori, maybe a Barbarians or a Heartland, because that really resonates with the people. And I feel like it's time for rugby to give the people what they want. Mm, That's an interesting comment, and I I can't help but think it's got value. Uh, For example, if you had every two years, let's talk about the All Black team, if the All Black team toured either the UK uh, or Europe, shall we say, Mm. Europe, or South Africa, um, then it would be fantastic because definitely on tours, it sorts out those players that are good at working together with each other. You know, it sorts sorts out the environment. It sorts out whether the the head coach and the coaching staff have got the right environment and the right personnel. So I think uh, if you say the pinnacle event is the World Cup and two years out, there's going to be a a serious tour to a serious... Um, uh, program, then I think it's got to be good. Uh, but I wouldn't want to see them tour Australia like we did in the old days for two months in the year, you know, two years out from the World Cup because there's only about three games that are going to be tough. And that's the Wallabies in the first test, the second test, and the third test. Yeah. So, you know, whereas in Britain you can play France and Paris and you can play Scotland and Edinburgh and England and, and Twickenham. And obviously um, Ireland, who are the top top of the tree at the moment. Uh, in South Africa, you always get a lot of hard matches, and it's where people can be found out. 
And I think that's probably the only criticism I have of uh, of Super Rugby staff, Staffy. You know, it's uh, it's um, to me the most important thing is that we have really strong competition because that's where the very best are, you know, expose themselves, and the ones that aren't quite the very best also expose themselves. And we need that, don't we? Um, we need, you know, because if you're playing an all-black team against the second string say, a, a team that's ranked 8th or ninth or 10th in the world, then you're going to generally win that game and look look pretty good because you're part of an all-black team. But if you're playing against, you know, England at Twickenham and France and Paris or South Africa and Pretoria, then that sorts out, you know, the best from the very best. And that's what you've got to have if you're going to win the Rugby World Cup, the very best playing in the very best environment. Mm. And I think it's, is it coincidence that the all-black form fell away a little bit this year? We're not playing the South African teams in Super Rugby. There's no way of proving it, but I feel like the Super Rugby competition against those South African teams, not only the game, but as you say, the touring of South Africa, um, we're able to hop on planes and just do the trans-Tasman thing. South Africa out of our Super Rugby environment potentially is part of what's hurt the All Blacks. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I think, um, uh, to my point earlier, and that is my point, in fact, if you don't have those big matches, and there's no doubt about it, playing South African teams in South Africa is a hell of a, a, hell of a challenge. It's, it's almost the ultimate challenge in many respects. Um, you know, I'd like to see Super Rugby express themselves better. Yeah. So whether it's to um, re-engage with South African teams, because I'm sure that there are super teams from South Africa that would love to be involved. Uh, may not, all, maybe not all of them, um, but if you had two, for example, um, then you could strengthen the competition a certain amount. Because uh, at the moment, you know, you could play against the force with a second team. Uh, the Crusaders could play a second team, or most New Zealand teams could play a second team against the force and win. Um, and the same thing uh, with the Rebels. And probably and the same thing with the um, Samoan and Tongan side. Um, the Drawer, I think, are probably going to surprise everyone in the next in the next campaign. And as I often point out, in Fiji, there's 1.3 million people, um, and you know they love rugby, and they're, they're, they're you know they're built for rugby in many respects. Whereas in the other island groups, that the population is a lot smaller. Uh, there's 180,000 in Samoa and about 130,000 in Tonga. So it's a bit harder. Um, and that's why they've got an amalgamated team, I guess. But I think we'll see the Drua perform better than, say, someone like the Rebels in the Western Force. But my point is, the stronger the competition, the better the international uh, options will be for the Wallabies and the, and the All Blacks and uh, the Argentinians. Brilliant to chat, Mary Mexted. Really appreciate your thoughts and your time. Fantastic insights, as always. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, have a safe and comfortable and celebratory Christmas. Thank you. Thank you, Steph. Good on you. There it is. Mary Mexted, great thoughts. We'll be back in a moment.
Good to catch up with Murray Mexted. Um, was penciled in for a five-minute chat, ended up being 20. I can just talk rugby with him. He's just um, wonderful to talk to, and you can come up with an idea. <clears throat> and I came up with a couple of ideas expecting him to shoot me down, and he agreed. So there it is. Um, bunch of text messages came in, uh, which we will get to. But Sam, he, he, he's refreshing, isn't he, Murray Mexted? And he's, he's been around the game for, gosh, 50 years. And uh, through Irons, he's worked with a lot of these coaches and he knows what works and he knows what's important and he only wants what's best for the game. I find talking to him so refreshing. Yeah, great, great, um, great points of view uh, from a man who, like you said, has a lot of experience in it. Um, two bits that really stuck out for me were the um, criticism of the NZR, which I think is totally valid in that um, half of the board that probably appoint these coaches have no place appointing an All Blacks coach. Either A, haven't been there, or B, have no sense of a high-performance environment, like current high-performance environment. And you only need to look out the window, staff, when they have these big board meetings and, and see the people we're dealing with and the age, and you start to question, you know, whether that is the right I'm trying to remember who, who was the appointing panel. I think it was Graham Henry. I thought he was part of the a recommendation the recommendation. Like I'm not stage. sure he actually appointed. He might have been. He might have been. But I, I like Mix's point that you know you only need a couple of people. It's probably your CEO because that they have to be part of that procedure. You might have the head board member. You have a, a senior coach of New Zealand, so that could be a Graham Henry or a Steve Hansel, someone who has been involved. Wayne Smith's be a great one. Um, and and I, you maybe have one more. Like maybe you have one more person. I don't know where that comes from, but you might have one more person that's involved in some way. But I take his point. Like his his quote, I actually wrote it down here, was that the average board member of New Zealand R doesn't have the skill set to no. appoint an All Blacks coach, and I think he's spot on in that regard. And that that isn't um, we're not bagging Foster here and saying they made the wrong call. What he's basically saying is I don't trust them to make a call any in any direction. Um, and the other one that stuck out for me as well was. Not destabilising the campaign before the World Cup. I, I've always said once the ship sailed for New Zealand, so once they, after South Africa, came out and said, Ian Foster, he's a guy for the World Cup, I said right then and there, they have hitched their wagon to Ian Foster well and truly. That There is no way they can change. Even if they lost every game from then on in, they couldn't They couldn't make that decision. Because their pride is more important than winning the World Cup. That, that one, and two, because once they had committed, they had said, this is it for the next 12 months. There's no point as Mick said, destabilising a campaign this close, you know, it's not really going to solve anything. Mm. So, and I know, look, we use these these um, outlying examples of um, Erasmus with South Africa, Wayne Smith with the Black Ferns, but they are, to me, the anomalies. They're the exceptions. They're not the rule. Um, so we, we are hitched to this wagon for the World Cup. My only um, final thought on that is if we lose the World Cup, those people who made that decision, that's the wagon they've hitched to. Maybe they should be thrown out of the, what is it? Throwing the baby out of the bathwater. Yeah, pot, throw them all out. Throw out um, all the, just drain, drain the swamp. Bird in the hand, <laughs> two in the bush, flush the dunny. All of those That's things. All of those things. Uh, South Africa changed their coach one year out and won it. Rob. Yes, they did. Um, after the new sport and weather, we're going to catch up with Georgina Robinson. Are we, Sammy? Pumawadi is who we're catching up with. Okay, Georgina Robinson on hold. She will be soon-ish, though. Pumawadi from TAB after this. Uh, 
Ah, straight to Brendan Popperwell. Pops, oh jeez, we've got a full old show today. Tell me the tab.co.nz's highlight today. Right, I'll buzz through some stuff here. Staff Spain, they're getting back. 70% of the money's all around Spain. Punters want to go Spain into Portugal in terms of multis. Uh, 3-0 Portugal, really well backed. Ronaldo, first goal scorer, boosted to $7. Punters want to get around that. So that's the football side of things. Mm. Uh, with uh, the NFL uh, tonight, I can tell you money's with the, uh, the Buccaneers. Everyone wants to get around them, uh, including a Dalton and Brady combined 550 passing yards and five TDs. Power play, that is our most popular power play uh, with the NFL. And the Buccaneers to win by 1-13 to 13 has also been popular at $2.50. And we'll jump to some NBA. The Suns, a big bet on them, 4,500 head-to-head at 2.20. And the Houston Rockets, over 107 points total. Uh, we've had 2,500 on that particular option as well. Huge day, Pops. Thanks so much. A compressed version today because we've got lots to get on with. Appreciate your time, buddy. <laughs> All good, man. Cheers, Seth. Brendan Popple, our TAB.co.nz. Use the app, use the website, the whole shebang. Quick break when we come back. Georgina Robinson, lead rugby writer out of the Sydney Morning Herald. Well, there is a real merry-go-round going on in the world of rugby coaching at the moment. I, ca- I can't get my head around it. It's like getting a jigsaw of a cloud and every piece is the same colour and I can't I can't solve it. So I'm going to one of the best rugby writers in the world. She's from Sydney Morning Herald. Georgina Robinson out of Australia joins us. Georgina, it's, it's a mess, but it's a topical mess. It is. It is. It always is. We're nine months out from the World Cup. I guess what's interesting is that you know, this stuff is traditionally saved for afterwards, um, particularly in New Zealand. You guys have a long tradition of respecting the tournament and the team's aims and uh, going going after the World Cup. And but a few things have happened that have pushed these conversations or, or pulled them forward, I guess. So that's, that's what's definitely very interesting. What's brought about this time? Like, I've, I'm always a little bit... Uh, disturbed by the importance of the World Cup at the expense of all the other test matches and tours. And it's become the be-all and end-all. And I, and I worry for the four years in between World Cups. Uh, and, and I don't quite know why it's all happening this, this cycle. Yeah, well, I guess you've got... Uh, look, I think Wales and England are separate. Um, but if we can talk about England to start with, you know, we've got a, a second-term coach, I guess, and uh, Eddie Jones is the kind of character, um, you know, who polarises people. And at the first sight, or, you know, t- to be fair, the sort of the, the second period in between World Cups when the results have really been really poor, um, people have lost patience. And I think all those tickets that people have been keeping from, you know, times they've wronged him or um, so he's wronged them or he's upset them, um or overlooked them, you know, that's all coming back to bite them. And I think the, the difference this time is that um, um, the Six Nations, you know, is just around the corner. Uh, and I think for players, there have been a couple of really interesting com- columns written by players like Mike Brown, the former England fullback, um, who, who said, you know, the players look like they're scared of making mistakes now. So there's just no glimmer of hope. And I think that's, um, and I think that's probably the thing that's really hurting Eddie. Um, and I mean, for Wales, there's just been no sign of any improvement uh, or any kind of um, 
anything that you know the the Welsh public or, or indeed the Welsh rugby union has been able to kind of pin its hopes on. Um, but to really, that was a really poor autumn series uh, from Wayne Pivak's team. So I guess that's that's what's hurt him. And unfortunately, um, they have a they have a they have a safe fallback in Warren Gatland. Who you know, I mean, if you look at that record, what is it? Two Grand Slams, two Six Nations titles, two British and Irish Lions titles. Um, he's he's got an extraordinary record, and especially with Wales. So. I think that's probably what's happened there. And there's been genuine panic, I think, you know, um, a year out from the World Cup. We're quite, over in New Zealand, we're quite um, disappointed in the All Black season, albeit they won everything, but um, there were some really bad results. Well, they didn't win the tour that Ireland came down here. Um, We didn't win, well, we gave up our first ever loss to Argentina. There's been a lot of uh, falling out of the public with New Zealand rugby and with Ian Foster and I feel like that's escalated to monumental heights. And, and adding to that is the availability of Scott Robertson. And while he's a wonderful coach, I wouldn't want to be him at the moment because he's just being pulled left, right and centre. Where, where do you think he will land? Mark, I reckon Scott Robertson is absolutely loving life at the moment, to be quite <laughs> frank with you. I mean, he's the, he's, he's the hottest ticket in town, and justifiably so. Uh, I think I don't. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion where he'll land. Um, I think the New Zealand rugby is under enormous pressure that he lands there. Uh, but you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he will. Um, there's been some really interesting reporting from the New Zealand Herald about how he's viewed. Um, from within the New Zealand establishment. And I definitely think it sounds like there's a couple of competing forces. There's sort of a force that, that sees Robertson as exactly the kind of um, game changer that, that the sport needs in New Zealand, just to shore up its position at the top of the tree. Uh, and uh, But then there's also a force that looks at it and goes, independent thinker, doesn't want to toe the line, um, can our, can the guys we've got now work with him? And and they have genuine concerns about that. And the other side of it is they have they also have another quality candidate in Jamie Joseph. Mm. So um, I, I think it's it's definitely a really interesting decision New Zealand rugby has to make. And certainly from all the reporting I've read coming out of New Zealand, they they will they will act soon on it. They won't wait. They won't give Ian Foster, uh, you know, a clear run to the World Cup. They will make a decision. And I think that's probably going to cause a lot of tension and might have some flow-on effects. Could you see the situation where New Zealand rugby do make an announcement maybe early next year that Scott Robertson will be taking the All Blacks post-World Cup? And is that fair on Ian Foster that he has the All Blacks next year, goes to the World Cup and knows, knows he's gone at the end? Well, it's, it's really tough. I, mean, I don't think I don't think it is fair. I'm not sure international coaching is about fairness. Um, uh, you know, I think New Zealand rugby and any rugby union, you know, they're custodians of the game and they have to make they have to make the right decisions. Uh, in fact, you know, another New Zealander, Dave Rennie, might find himself in exactly the same position. Um, it's when no one knows what Australian rugby is going to do about Dave Rennie's position. Um, you know, I certainly understand that he's certainly safe to take the team through to the World Cup. But, I mean, he, he in fact, put himself in the position of saying, uh, I need to know, you know, early in early in the new year because otherwise I'll be out, be without a job, you know, after the World Cup. So, because I'll miss the boat on any other opportunities. So, he's sort of, you know, on the one hand, Ian Foster, 
um, from all from all indications, doesn't want to be in that position. But actually, Dave Rennie wants clarity. So um, I, I guess it's horses for courses. Um, I don't envy I don't envy national unions, and I, I certainly don't envy, envy the coaches. Dave Rennie, I've always been a bit of a I don't know sympathizer, empathizer towards his plight with the Wallabies. I think he's got every little bit of juice he can out of a team that continually gets injured. It's never had deep playing stocks like the All Blacks have. But when I look at his results, I know there's too many losses in the column, but three-point loss to Ireland, one point to Italy, one point to France, two points to the All Blacks. He was so close, and it seemed week in, week out. He had five or six first-string players not available. Now, I know he didn't get the wins, but I still think he's worth persevering with. Do you think the Australians will persevere? I think I think they'll persevere for the World Cup. I think he certainly. Um, I think the results actually indicate that there's a there's a good team in there, uh, and that he deserves to take them through to the World Cup. Um, but I also don't think it's easy. There are easy. You can't wrap these things up in bows um, and present a neat picture. I think it's very complex. All of the factors that go into a team's success or otherwise. Uh, someone has to take take some accountability for the injuries. There have been too many Achilles ruptured. Um, there have been too many injuries that suggest players have been overloaded. And 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 then another side of that is that um, they lost their their two world class athletic performance um, people, John Pryor and Dean Benton, at some point during this season. So we've been using provincial guys kind of coming in and out. So players have had no consistency. Uh, and I think that hurts, uh, you know, and and Australian rugby needs to take some responsibility for cutting costs after COVID and, and, and making things pretty tough, you know, in terms of the Wallabies. But it's been a well-resourced program. I mean, the business has been, the business has sort of put all its eggs in the Wallabies basket, um, but some things haven't gone their way. And look, I also think um, Dave's selections um, deserve scrutiny and, and definitely some hard questions being asked. Um so I, I think I think there's a good he's shown um, he has you know developed this team to an enormous extent and he has also blooded some very good players guys like Mark Nwanganitawase, um, Langi Gleeson. Uh, I think there's lots of guys who will definitely go on to have actually great careers and quite long ones. And I think it might be a bit of a, a, a you know um, the next coach after Dave will probably. You know, if they're any good, and, I, and let's hope they are, they will actually reap the rewards of the hard work Dave has done. Um, but at the end of the day, 38% is a pretty poor win rate, Mark. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and at some point does have to come down to win rates uh, as long as you're, as long as you're um, taking into account all the other factors. And, and look, I think, I think the encouraging thing is that Rugby Australia, there, there, are, there are people on that board that understand that the system in, in Australia is, is broken and that they can continue to put very good coaches because Dave Rennie is a very good coach into the system and it will continue to not deliver um, because of the system. So I think there is a recognition that things need to change if, if they're going to actually um, get the most out of the team and, and the coaching investments they make. Talking to Georgina Robertson, Chief Rugby Writer for Sydney Morning Herald. Finally, Georgina, uh, in your column you, you, you talked about the friendship Scott Robertson has with Daniel Herbert, who's quite high up in Rugby Australia. If New Zealand don't secure 
Scott Robertson, and I'm not sure he fits their mould. I, I almost think uh, you've mentioned Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown, um, Leon McDonald seems to fit their profile. Uh, the public wants Scott Robertson. It seems the New Zealand Rugby Union wants something else. Would Australian rugby look at Scott Robertson if New Zealand didn't tie him up? Is the Pope Catholic, Mark? <laughs> I mean, like Scott Robertson... You know, and I totally agree with you on profile. Scott Robertson actually, I think, fits the, the Australian profile really yes. well. Yes. I, I wouldn't say Scott Robertson fit the England profile very well, but I think he would fit the Australian profile very well. I think he would he would be a very good coach for the All Blacks as well. Um, but um, I agree with you. Uh, and listen, Jamie Joseph's um, an experienced test coach now who's done incredible things with Japan taken them to an historic first quarter final in a Rugby World Cup, playing incredible footy. Uh, Jamie, I think, also on paper, probably, um, you know, has the strongest credentials. In terms of the experience you need, there is no doubt Scott Robertson, you know, is a a super coach. Um, But, you know, that step up to test level is is another thing entirely. Um, And... We've seen it with Dave Rennie making the transition and battling with it. And we also saw it with Michael Checker really battling in his first test coaching role. Mm. And, you know, with the experience of that under his belt, he's gone on to make a fist of things in Argentina. And even Eddie Jones, when he coached the Wallabies, he's been, he's been a better coach in every role since that. So um, it's an interesting decision ahead. Australia would definitely look at Scott Robertson. I have absolutely no inside knowledge on any interactions they've had. Uh, it's, you know, Rugby Australia are playing their cards very close to their chests. Um, but if you join some dots and if you also just think about the chairman, he's a very ambitious chairman who wants the game to go places here. Uh, hiring a landing a fish like Scott Robertson, you know, would definitely put Australian rugby on the map. Mm. And you'd get great pieces for your news of him. Paddle boarding, stand-up boarding, uh, surfing. <laughs> Wouldn't we? Oh, and Aussies would <laughs> lap it up. Where the bloody hell are you? Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, fantastic, Georgina. I think you've helped me a little bit with my jigsaw, but I don't think it's going to be filled in until the end of January, February. Absolutely. And I don't think anyone with any of the pieces really know where it's going to end up either. Mm. Awesome, Georgina. Thanks heaps for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Uh, a lot of feedback on the um, Tampa Bedpost text machine uh, about the chats we've had. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed Mex and Georgina as well. Um, I've lost that one that just said... Uh, brilliant interview with Murray Mex. That it's, uh, it's the best way to view rugby I've heard all year. Best interview I've heard on rugby all year. He makes so much sense. John from Christchurch. Um, Dean from New Plymouth, good interview with Mex. Can we have more of that instead of the fluffy biscuit lolly BS? <laughs> Cheers, Dean. I'll tell you what, Dean. We've had two hours of hard-out rugby coach chat. After the news at two, it's the Tuesday draft day, and we're doing food items. You are going to love it. We just have a we have a minor departure from sport. We can't go wall to wall sport. I mean, this show's twenty hours a week, twenty hours a week for fifty weeks. It's a thousand hours, and I would suggest out of that thousand, we do about an hour and a half of lollies and biscuits and movie characters and TV characters, and it's a bit of fun. And the engagement we get with it, I feel like our listeners would quite enjoy it. Then, I feel like they do, but you know, see if you enjoy the one we're going to do after two. It is food combinations or something like that, isn't it, Sam? Food duos. 
Top five food duos, me, Sam, Captain K, our top five food duos. Sorry, Dean, it might be fluff for you, but we've had two hours of rugby. We just need a little bit of a, a vacation. Just for about five minutes, it'll be. Just about five minutes. Um, so hold on for that. We're also going to catch up with uh, Liam Santa Maria. Going to catch up with Molly Sparker, adventure racer Jimmy Smith across the ditch. A $350 volts today. That's in about 45 minutes. 40 to 45. Stay tuned if you want to have a chance to unlock the vault. Woohoo! Still got a big two hours. Uh, yes, afternoons with Staffy. We've just gone two o'clock. We are here with a big thank you to Gull, Gull.nz. They fill your mission all year round and they're with us every day, 12 till 4. We really appreciate their support. Get yourself down to get some economical fuel. Gull.nz. Go register there and they'll text you when it's on special, 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 the, the special 36 hours of the month. The crew at Ava Living, they've come up with another prize for the caller of the month. We gave one away last week, which was gratefully received uh, last month was the uh, Oklahoma Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill and they've got an equally tongue twisting prize but geez, you'd want it the SENZ quarter of the month for December is going to win a Charmate Colt 48 smoker and barbecue I almost feel like we could make up a barbecue wrap on behalf of Aber Living with their wonderful prizes the Charmate Colt 48 smoker BBQ it sounds like you do everything everything summer everything summer and you could bust it out turn it on at about 11 o'clock cook your snags and tune into SNZ at 12 o'clock on a Sunday that is dog speed um, Mark Rosanowski, Rosso Dan Roberts, Robbo they host uh, GRNZ's dog speed Greyhound Racing New Zealand's dog show it is 12 to 1 every Sunday it's every Sunday but today's Tuesday hey just before we get to uh, Tuesday draft day staff um, how how much information did you divulge yesterday, both about why I was off yesterday, but also Johnny Max, you know, can't wait to hear about your golf game on Sunday. Did you bring that up as well, did you? Yep. Those sorts of things are personal to me, Mark, okay? Particularly the golf. I'd like to just keep that between you and I. Well, I tell you what. Not for on air. The golf subject, you're long in the distance behind Kirsty Stanway's golf subject from oh, look, the run home yesterday. I, what I would give to drive 280 metres. Um, and you know, uh, she's been playing for, what, six weeks? Six weeks. I've had about she's three natural. or four lessons, and I've been playing for, well, I did start in high school. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be struggling to hit the probably the 250 at this stage. <laughs> 220. Yeah, and that's on the slice as well, remember? <laughs> so I uh, do love a slice. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Okay, we'll talk about that later then, shall we? The uh, the golf story and what happened yesterday and oh, on Sunday. You told us that you were, you were having a I didn't say, I didn't say camera that. elsewhere. I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, you did. Don't that's, think I that's did. That's why I felt comfortable to talk about it. You said I don't really want to talk I'll about it. I'll tell you what, it. it's, um, I love the drugs. <laughs> that's probably not a lot. That's don't cut that. Don't cut that audio. Yeah, cut that audio. Uh, I do love the drugs administered, and they uh, to that, relax you in that procedure. Correct. Yeah, I was knocked out. Had a good sleep yesterday afternoon, and needed it to recover from the Sunday golf session, which might I add was played on a little bit of the uh, procedure preparation, <laughs> including a few tablets that speed up the process of things. So it was a quick. It was a quick eighteen, Steph. A quick eighteen. 
Oh, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that because you, no, you normally the, the object of cricket is to get runs, not golf is to get <laughs> runs. Is that right? You're a bad man. Draft day. Tuesday draft it's Tuesday, day. It's Tuesday. Tuesday draft day, people. Um, you know how it works. Myself, Steph, Captain K, we uh, draft our top five. And uh, you, as the listeners, determine who is the winner. Now, who's I can't got remember, the strongest team? Who's got the strongest team? Now, I can't remember who won the small towns in the end. Oh, was it you? I won the first one. I think I was second and Kez third. And then last week you had Kez first, me second, you third. So I'd say the points are probably even probably overall. Even. Uh, we are keeping a running tally. So today... Uh, this, the subject of the draft is the top five food duos. Um, and I'm just going to throw one out there. Not my first pick, but I'm going to throw one out there, Steph. Salt and pepper, you know, something like that. Oh, okay. Um, just anything that goes together, that's what we're going to draft. Top five. Now, week number one, I believe you went first. I did. First pick. Uh, week number two, Kez went first. So week number three is going to be myself. It goes you, Kez, me. Just warming up the hands. So uh, first pick of the draft, a lot of pressure on there, and I'm just trying to look through what you guys might take off my list. Okay, happy to go with it. First pick of the draft. It's a big one. It's a Titan for anyone involved. This is it. This is my number one. Fish and chips. It's my number one. Give me fish and chips, people. Fish and chips, number one. First pick, and it's a strong pick as well. It's the LeBron James of food duos, isn't it, Mark Stafford? You prick. Which means pick number two, I think, goes to Captain K. Pick number two, first round. Oh, I'm happy with that. I don't like fish. Unpopular opinion. Me, Very never unpopular. eaten fish in my life. So, yeah, I'll get uh, some points demarked for that one. Boys, my number one pick, uh, specifics to myself, I'm going with chips and dip. Oh, stop it. That's, That's my number two. Kiwi dip in particular. I I had down, and this is, might be unpopular as well, the chip, salt and vinegar with onion dip. Yeah, yeah I'll that take that. That is me. I'll that take is great pick. It's a great pick, Steph. Great pick. Over to you, mate. This is the bane of going third. Okay. Hot chips and Wadi's tomato sauce. Chips and tomato sauce? Yeah. Oh, t- chips and tomato sauce? I'll accept that. So we've all got you have to accept we'll, we'll all go down the chip You're route. judge and jury. We're, we're all going down the chip route for uh, the first round. Very New uh, Zealand. Very Kiwi, yeah, going for the uh, Kiwi vote. Right, uh, round number two. Pick number one and round number two for me. Um, it is a cliche, uh, but I think you need this kind of guy on your roster, staff. Good in the locker room, good during a game, solid pair of hands. Give me peanut butter and jam. Peanut yep. butter and jam, love it on a sandwich. Doesn't fly. Might not fly with you, but like I said, good locker room man to have in the team. Need him there, Captain K. Very strong pick. Very strong pick. Uh, I'm going to go to my favourite meal of the day, which I don't actually eat, which is breakfast. (laughs) Uh, I I just like the breakfast food. I don't actually like eating in the morning, but I will eat this any time of the day. It's an all-time classic. I'm I'm surprised it's dropped this far. Give me bacon and eggs. Yeah, very, very solid. Yeah, solid. And um, no one's going to turn their nose up at it, are they? Mm. Bacon and eggs. You do have sort of your anti-peanut butter people, but everyone loves bacon and eggs. Stafford. Right, I have, a device, I have a divisive one here. This is a love-hate. People will love it, and uh, people think it's crazy. If you say what I think you're going to say, I'm going to be very angry, given I'm, the conversation we had pre-show. I'm taking you to the movies. Okay. I'm buying you an ice cream and a bottle of popcorn, and yep. you dip the ice cream in the popcorn. Very controversial. Yeah, I know. People very will love it or hate it, but that is a duo I live for, but I only have it at the movies. Do you know what? I like about you as a coach, Steph. You pick te- you pick players that you want on your team. You don't think about what the others think. I'm not I'm not picking these duos to be the populist one that I think people will vote for. These are from my heart. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like that. Good local talent as well for you, Mark Stafford. So yep. pop, what, how do we classify pop, popcorn and ice cream? Ice cream and popcorn. Yeah. Ice cream and yep. popcorn. Okay. Uh, round number three, uh, pick number one and round number three for me. Now, I will ask this question before we, before I rip in. Can can we go drink or yep. is it only food? Uh, drink with a food item. Nah, nah. It's a it's a it's basically a drink Like carlua and milk type thing. Yeah. No. Are we saying for, okay, food? So no, okay, no drink. That's fine. I'm taking that off the list. Steph, um... What was it, by the way? Gin and tonic. No, no, that's not food. <laughs> so we can't. We can't. You can do drink we and can food. We can do drink you and can food. You can do drink and food. Just yep. for clarification. Yes. Not saying and, I I know, and I know where you're going with that, and I'm tempted to steal it off you. Um, okay, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And I personally love it, Steph, and call me a populist. I'll take that bullet straight to the chest. Give me lamb and mint sauce. Oh, what a cock. Give Come me, on. Give me lamb and mint sauce. It's a Kiwi classic. Love it on a Sunday. And can you eat lamb on, a, on, on its own? Of course you can. But throw a bit of mint sauce in there. Why not? I've got one thing to say. Go on. Mad. Mad. <laughs> I can't eat lambs. Can't you? No. You don't like lamb at all? No. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Lamb and mint sauce for me. Captain K. Fair enough. I thought I was going to bait you in there with, yeah. a, uh, with a little tempting one. I'm going to steer clear as well, Sammy, of, of adding the drink. This one is actually going to come out. I have it every Christmas. But international, I want mac and cheese. Oh, Christmas! Christmas meal for you? No, no, no. What I do is I take a bit of the uh, American Thanksgiving, bring it in there, do turkey. I do do mac and cheese. So that's what I do for Christmas. That's my one request for Christmas: mac and cheese. Good pick. Don't mind it. Yeah, it's American theme. Yeah, good talent coming out of the states. Mark Stafford. (laughs) And Kane's just said, "How's nobody said mac and cheese?" (laughs) Read your mind. All right, Steph. Um, Again, this one's going to split the country in half. I know some people love it, some people hate it. Mm And there's deris- derivatives of this that they like, and they won't like mine, but this is from my heart. Battered oysters and tartia sauce. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Look, I... What do you hesitate? You're allowed well, lamb I'm and mint work, sauce? No, no, I'm just trying to think if I would like that. Um, do you I like mean, oysters? I, like, I do like oysters. Well, you'd love that. That's my okay, favourite I do like tartia sauce as well, actually. Mm. Kiz, do you like tartia sauce? <laughs> he doesn't like it. He doesn't like oysters. Don't vote right, for we're me, Kiz. We're on, we're, on we're on to round four. Um... Trying to think how I phrase this one, um, because the cliche comment. Okay, I'll put it out there first and foremost. Pie and a coke. It's a drink food combination, but I'm happy to take it. Pie and a coke. Now yeah. your builders are going to say pie and a V, but personally, I'm not a big V drinker, staff. So I'm going to just stick classic, and I'm going to say pie and a coke. I mean, it's a it's a golden combination of your teenage years. Not so much when you're an adult, but if someone gave it, if someone offered it to me, I'm taking it 100. percent Okay. Fourth man. For me, fourth pick is fourth pick of my my team, Captain K. Nice. Was that the one that you thought I was going to take? I, with when the, you said with the food drink? and drink, yeah. Sort of, uh, it's, 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 it is a drink and food combo. I'm going with this one because I think it can bring to my team what no one else can. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a it is a true combo deal because it comes with the action as well. I'm going a cup of tea and a bicky. <laughs> That's a great pick, cup of tea and a bicky. <laughs> almost Gallant. like a bit of pick and roll action, you know. Yeah. Dunk it. Not bad. I don't drink tea, but I'm like I understand you. I, I do too, Steph. Right, pick number four for you. Sweet tooth time. Mm-hmm. 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 I feel from Hastings will know what I'm going to pick now. Oh dear. Now this is two food types in one. Yeah, I think I know what you're going to say here. The licorice chocolate. Oh, okay. You know, the, yep. either the, I know the ones. chocolate-covered bullets or the yep. licorice that's been injected with chocolate. Yeah, so licorice and chocolate. Yeah, that's heaven. Because they do those little, like, their chocolate on the outside, like little balls. The little balls. And they have licorice on the inside. I do like the, long, the long ones with 
the logs with the chocolate in the middle. Good Kevin, pick. Strong pick. Very strong you. pick. Going down the sweet route as well. Okay. Pick number five, final pick for Team Sam. And look, I've got a whole bunch here, Steph, which I'd love to talk to you about afterwards. Um, tempted to go the sweet line myself. And you can do this a number of ways. You've got ice cream. You've got sauces. You've got popcorn. Salt and caramel. Yeah, good. Salted caramel. Salt yeah. and caramel. Yeah. Um, salt and caramel. Give me that one any day of the week. can be used in so many different ways. It's versatile. For me, fifth player as well. Just the glue. The glue of the team. Captain K, final pick. Oh, you've stolen my final pick. And if you want me to tell the truth, I only wrote down five. Uh, okay. <laughs> do you I've want one of mine? I've got about four left here. Okay. Well, how about... Oh, no, nah, I can't do this. Actually, Brett just sent me a text with a photo saying, creamed powers and fry bread, bro. you got to, you got to counter staff. And he sent me a photo, so I'll send that one through to your staff. What is it? Cream uh, power and cream amazing. power and fry bread. I'm not going to take okay. that because that's against my morals. I don't like right. I don't like seafood. Okay, uh, okay, okay. I, I have a backup here. Yeah, yeah. Why not? It's a personal favourite. Just thought of it on the spot. We talked about it when we talked about trumpet staff. Give me mint and chocolate. Uh, oh, no, you no, idiot. no. Cannot condone that decision, Mark. As you could, and when you said before, you've got one. That you don't necessarily like. I thought you were going to go for that. No, we, all we t- of these ones I love. Yeah, we talked about pre-show. What is wrong with mint and chocolate? Why does everyone what, hate mate, it? Mate, what do you do? You eat stuff after you brush your teeth? Oh my! Because <laughs> it's okay. Exactly okay, the same. fine. My one then. I'll take orange juice and toothpaste. You know, like, it's just not the same thing. <laughs> Marmalade and milk. It's just uh, not the it's, same. It's, yeah, it's chocolate and mint. People, you need to. Those people need to exit just the don't stage knock left it until you try it. Okay, here's Captain K's last pick. Steph, you've got last pick of the draft. What are you going for? I've got four left on my list. Oh well, make the call, mate. Think about but, think about the list as a whole. Versatility. Think about diversity. I tell you what, I think this one is going to get the vote across the line. Oh dear. And you will kick yourself. Mm-hmm. White bait fritters and white bread. Nah, great call. Great pick. Very strong pick. You will get a lot of votes on that alone. White bait fritters, thick slice white bread, butter. It's a great, it's a great finish. Bang. Very strong finish, Mark Stafford, from you. Um, just a couple that have been left off, of course, that people will be um, annoyed about. Spaghetti and meatballs. Someone's text that one in. Cheese and crackers. No one took cheese and crackers. Oh, curry, curry and rice. Took curry rice. Burger and fries. Wow. Apple crumble and ice cream. These Cinnamon and apple. Roast pork and apple sauce. Cranberry and brie. Ooh. There's a, there's some great ones in there, Steph. But hey, it's peanut a, butter and banana. It's a ruthless. It's a ruthless draft. It's a ruthless draft. A ruthless draft. So let's just run through the teams quickly one more time. Captain, uh, Captain, Captain Sam, Coach Sam. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what I took first. Um, fish and chips for me. Has Captain K written them? Have yes, you written them down? I've okay, got, them in I got front fish of me. and chips. Yes. Oh, you, I will let you, you go through them, Captain K. Okay. Go through the teams. Team Sammy, fish and chips, peanut butter and jam, lamb and mint sauce, pie and coke, and salt and caramel to mm. finish out. Yeah, happy with that. Team Captain K, we've got chips and dip, bacon and eggs, mac and cheese, cuppa and a bicky, and mint and chocolate. Moving on to Team Staff, we have hot chips and tomato sauce, popcorn and ice cream, battered oysters and tartar sauce, licorice and chocolate, <laughs> and white bait fritters and white bread. I don't think I'd want to have those oh, in the same uh, sitting. Staff, he's a happy man, I tell you what, he got all his favourites. He got no challenge for <laughs> He any was of licking us. his lips, wasn't very, he, when we were reading Very those? broad topic. That's probably why none of us picked uh, the same thing. So, uh, up to the people, Steph. Who has the best team? Who is the strongest team for me. this year's draft? White bait's going to get Fuji, it. He's confident about it, people. Yeah. Double eight, double three. And remember, one, two, three, because that's the points correspondence. So first, second, and third, we give three points for first, two points for second, one point one for third, yep. and we get a title holder. Double eight, double three, Temper Bear Post Text Machine. We're going to scoot now because on the other side of this, we're going to catch up with Liam Santamaria. He is the uh, ANBL 
analyst from ESPN. We're going to talk breakers. We're going to talk the league. We're on fire. Can we keep it going? Liam, after this. Welcome back in. We're going to talk some oh, ANBL. We're going to the man, the greatest name in world basketball, Liam Santa Maria, joins us, the ESPN analyst. Liam, I love introducing you. Good man, Daffy. I love being introduced by you, great man, and uh, it's great to be chatting with you again. We're pretty bullish about the Breakers, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. They've only dropped four games. They've won 11 games, tripped up last week against Perth. We have to talk about the Breakers first because you're in New Zealand radio. Um, Are you buoyed by what you're seeing? Love them. Love everything about what the Breakers have brought to the table this season. Um, of course, we were kind of hoping across the NBL, maybe not those in within each of the teams, but the, the neutral observers all hoping that the Breakers would have a successful campaign in NBL 23 because it really has been a tough couple of years for that organisation. We know the story stuck on the road in Australia during the, during the pandemic and um, the wins were just really hard to come by. And uh, so back at home for their full slate of home games, uh, a new look group led by Modi Mayor and some some new exciting pieces to the roster and um, they've just come out and gone bang they've been one of the best defensive if not the best defensive team in the league um, all the pieces are fitting together they're playing really well uh, and and really cohesively and uh, they're a super tough beat right now sitting pretty in that top two a uh, year they slipped out slipped up, sorry, uh, over the weekend against the Perth Wildcats, but that's just a little bump in the road for this team that's roaring towards the postseason. And it might be in the fullness of time, if there's such a, if there is such a thing as a good time to lose, it's before you take the tabletoppers on, which the Breakers are doing against the Kings on Thursday. What a marquee matchup this is. Massive game. Uh, in, in New Zealand, so on their home floor, uh, top two clash. They've been the two form teams of the competition across the first half of the season, and it's going to be fascinating to watch them go head-to-head again. Of course, uh, prior to that loss to Perth, it was five wins in a row for the Breakers, but the loss before that was to Sydney uh, in New Zealand, uh, and really, Sydney dominated that game. You might remember Xavier Cooks, he hurt himself in that second half, and without him on the floor, the Breakers came roaring back but Sydney were able to hold on. So they get another crack at the defending champs. Xavier Cooks, the best player in the league, back in that Kings lineup, and a really good chance for the Breakers to test themselves against um, you know the, the top of the table. Who's got the depth and roster and room for improvement as we march through the regular season? Uh, you mean out of those two teams yeah. or, or across the Well, league? even across the board, because I know there's some teams not too far back that could spark up as well, because, you know, these mm-hmm. teams are played between 12 and 15 games, um, and we start looking at roster and coverage for injuries and that sort of thing. Who, who's got the balance right, do you think? Oh, there's a few teams that have the balance right. Those two teams up the top that we were talking about, Sydney and New Zealand, Cairns have been really terrific uh young squads so they'll be have some inconsistencies at time at, at times but they're going to be in that finals picture as well uh and tasmania are uh, just as solid as ever you know we got to know them in their inaugural campaign last season and this year they uh 
they are, you know, are true to the culture that they've built really quickly. They're, they're, getting, they're just so solid. Uh, they're going to execute really well in crunch time, and um, they're going to uh, they're going to hang in games, and they're going to hang in the season. And when push comes to shove, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be, you know, 14 and 14 or 15 and 13, and they're going to be in that that picture for that play-in tournament. Uh, the team I think is maybe sliding a little under the radar as a championship contender right now is the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Um, the Breakers, your Breakers, towed them up. Uh, on uh, earlier in the week, I think what is that Thursday night, maybe. Uh, prior to that, Southeast Melbourne had come over and and had a big win against New Zealand, and that's a squad with a super talented starting lineup, and they've still got a powerful unit in Joe Chi, the seven foot Chinese superstar, to come back into that group, uh, recovering from a calf injury, and and he's really just ramping up as well. So. I think they've got room to improve the Phoenix. And when they really get cracking, their best is going to be really tough to beat in that finals-type atmosphere. And what about Perth, uh, a long-time rival of the Breakers? And you can throw away the the season standings when those two come up against each other. What did you see from Perth? Is that is that a potential springboard for them? Could be, for sure, because they've got... Uh, a lineup and a roster that is better than what they've put on on the table thus far this season. So they've got a losing record right now, six and seven. That was a uh, whew, a much much needed win mm. that they got across the ditch um, against the Breakers the other day. Um, their issues have been that they haven't really been strong and tough enough defensively and on the glass over the course of the year. They're one of the, the, the lower-ranked teams in defensive efficiency and similarly for defensive rebounding percentage. But they came in and got that job done against the Breakers, who are a tough, kind of brutish team, physical team. And if you're not on your game, they'll push you around. So it was an impressive performance from Perth. It was a really impressive performance from Kiwi Corey Webster, who uh, had that little bit of extra motivation and really torched uh, his former team uh, in his in his home country, so that that was cool to see. And um, you're right, that's a team as well that has some upside and could get moving over the second half of the season. Are we about halfway? Is it from memory? Is it 26, 27 games, something like that in the season? Yeah, 28. So a couple of teams have just tipped past their halfway point. The Breakers they've played 15, and so have Melbourne United. A couple of teams sitting right on that mark and. A couple playing catch-up uh, whose schedule is about to get pretty busy. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, we're mid-season. We'll catch up before the end of season. We'll track the progress. But as you say, grandstand game. Kings-Breakers Thursday night. Which way would you lean? I'm leaning towards the Breakers for that one. On their home deck, lost to Sydney last time. As you said before, looking to bounce back after that loss to Perth. I think it's going to be uh, a big win well, a close win, but a, a big win in the scheme of things for the Breakers on Thursday night. Always enjoy catching up with you, Liam. I uh, really appreciate your time. Cheers, Alfie. Have a good one. Cheers, buddy. Liam Santamaria, the Australian Basketball League uh, analyst for ESPN over there in Australia. Things are tracking well for the Breakers. And, yeah, Thursday, big, big matchup on Thursday uh, for 
I'm just going to try and find it actually to f- see if I can find uh, what sort of prices we're looking at for the Breakers Australia. Before we go to the news quick staff, here it is. Breakers 175, Sydney Kings $2. One place two. Fantastic game. 7.30 Thursday night, New Zealand at home. Fantastic. New sport and weather. Here's Johnny Mack. Welcome back in. Um, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but the big news is Steve McIver is going to be filling in. He's got Marcus Armstrong coming on the show. We were hoping to get him today, but he's been travelling today. So Marcus Armstrong just been signed by Chip Ganassi team uh, for the IndyCast. Fantastic. And so the rev head McIver, he'll be chatting to him tomorrow, uh, 12 to 4 tomorrow. Um I'll be back Thursday. A message from Craig saying Sam was disqualified with a disgusting salted caramel. Captain K is disqualified with a revolting mac and cheese. Leaving staff the winner by a Bradbury. <laughs> I've won by a Bradbury. Um, gosh. And then we've got a few coaching ones. Shall I get rid of the coaching ones? I'll quickly get rid of the coaching ones. Staffy, pretty sure Ronan Agar will never be involved with the All Blacks, but the Joe Schmidt head coach is correct with Leon and Jason. In my opinion, that's from Kent. Very well connected is Kent. Um, Dean, New Plymouth, sorry. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, well, that was a brilliant interview with Murray. Uh, yes, we've had a lot of those. I'll just say we've had a lot of those. I won't read them out, but uh, thank you. He is fantastic. Uh, what's Brad Thorne's coaching direction? Does he want to be involved or coach the Wallabies? I'm not sure, actually. He's just putting his head down and grafting away, isn't he? Um, Staffy Murray forgot to say we need a tall ball carrying number eight with Artie going to seven. Is that Blackadder? Is it Grace? Is it Flanders? Is it Ioani? These players be a close watching in 2023. Great show, regards, Steve. There's a lot of watching. I think particularly the loose forwards, a lot of watching as well. Your Aussie correspondent said Razor is known for not towing the line. Do you know of an example of that? Break dancing. So people see that as not towing the line. He's a little bit unconventional. I'm paraphrasing what Georgina said. Um, he's not your conventional stoic rugby coach, which I like. Scott Robertson should get the coaching job in Australia for the Wallabies. That's uh, that's from Australian listener Jason. Thank you, mate. Um, Staffy, Leon McDonald hasn't done enough for me yet. If he goes very well this year, he might just be scraping in. How he's in the conversation, I don't really know. From Nick, Razor is the obvious choice for 2024. Leon is not up to his talent. No one else coaching in New Zealand is, which makes Foster look really bad, especially with his below-par results. I'm hoping New Zealand Rugby have told Razor he's a shoo-in. There's no other viable option in New Zealand, in my opinion. I doubt New Zealand would get a foreign coach, so it has to be Razor. Um, What sort of cash would Gats be on in Wales? A lot. I'd go... 350 euro. There's my guess. Um, <laughs> that's my guess. And someone just said, you know, Razor hasn't got any international experience, so he might not get it. Wayne Pivak's got international experience. Shall we get him? No. No, we won't. Time for the vault. Time for the vault, Sam. Time for what's making. We'll do what's making news, then we'll do the vault. Hold the phones. Hold the phones. We'll find out what's making news, and then we'll play the vault. Go, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? You've Sorry, don't ring. Can of worms, I know, Mark the Stanford. phone lines have lit up. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Not quite yet, okay? Not quite yet. What is it, 350? 
350. Oh, 350, yeah. Gee, I didn't think it'd be that hard. Um, it is hard. <clears throat> well, I'll give you some news first, uh, news that you need to hear. No one's going to be listening, though, because they're all just obsessed with the vault. Um, <laughs> but I'll try, I'll try my best. I'll try my best. Um, I don't know if you knew this. In fact, I know you didn't know this, but um, Jonathan. Livingston Seagull. No. Nah, Jonathan the tortoise. Right. Yeah, the oldest animal um, in the world, oldest land animal in the world. Um, celebrating a birthday this week. They don't actually know his official birthday. Um, but he is rumoured um, to be 190 years old, Mark. Wow. Celebrating his 190th, uh, which means that he was born in 1832. Think oh. about that for a second. Was 1832. That, was that King George the Fourth was reigning? Older than the electric light bulb and the motorised car. <laughs> he's and seen it all. Fair to say, he's seen a bit over the years, has <laughs> uh, Jonathan aptly named. Uh, his best mate apparently is only 90. So got a few years on his old mate. Um, but I just want to give a big shout out to Jonathan. Happy birthday, mate. Um, keep keep fighting the good fight. Because mm. Jonathan yeah. will be like, I oh, remember when they invented the wheel. Nah, it was before me, bro. <laughs> yeah, before my time. <laughs> yeah, nah, good on you, Jonathan. Um, now, Oxford, uh, the dictionary specifically. Yeah. Um, they've published their word of the year for 2022. They do this every year. Do you want to have a stab? It's going to be something naff. It is stupid. Uh, People are outraged. I'm going to say something if, like anti-vax or nah, something. Well, that's the thing, because it's actually two words. Okay. And I don't think Oxford really get the point of the assignment, and it's ironic because they're a dictionary. But the word for 2022 is goblin mode. What's that? Goblin mode. It it's is defined eating. as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, uh, greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. And their word of the year, they try to sort of encapsulate what the year is. I think that's a bit harsh yeah, from I Oxford. Do too. I do too. A little bit harsh. And they could have just said lazy. Why do you need to make it a goblin? You know, that's unnecessary. I feel sorry for the goblins. Um, did love this story when I came across this headline, Steph. Uh, two twins. Of course, there's two of them. Uh, t- two twins have been awarded $1.5 million in a defamation lawsuit. Uh, in America. After being falsely accused of cheating on a test. They attended South Carolina Medical School, and uh, this is Kayla and Kelly Bingham. Spelt the same. Are they related? Are they related? Kayla, Kelly, Kiz? and Kieran. Whoa. Kayla, Kelly, and Kezza. Um, So this was back at the University of uh, South Carolina in 2017. The school claimed that they were in cahoots during an exam staff. They were sitting at the same table, but they were about five or six feet apart, and there was a monitor watching the, the room. They noticed that the two students repeatedly nodded their heads as though they were exchanging signals and said one of them had flipped a sheet of paper so the other could see it. But what the uh, jury has ruled is that they are, ge- are genetically predisposed to behave in the same way. They're twins. So Identical they sort of they nod along at the same things. They sort of make the same mannerisms and movements, and that's all that was going on. So they've cleared themselves from cheating, and they want one and a half million bucks they as a result it. of being... Yeah, and story of have the I, day. Have I told you my twin story? Uh, is it safer on air? Well, I didn't ask. I, that's not the question. Okay. No, yeah, you yeah. haven't told it. Okay, that's all I need to know. Okay. Um, and finally, story of the year. Uh, story of the week. Story of the year, for sure, Steph, and one that I had to click on for your sake. Because Neil Diamond uh, has thrilled the crowd on the opening night of A Beautiful Noise. Oh, my. I think this is an homage to his career, Beautiful Noise. I think it's like a well, it's a yeah. Broadway show. He stood up in his box, in his private box of the Broadhurst Theatre, with his wife, Katie McNeil Diamond, by his side and belted out. He didn't. Sweet Caroline. And the whole audience joined in, staff. It was a big old sing-along at the Broadhurst. And doesn't that just warm your heart from the great man? Do you know they played Sweet Caroline at the Tyson Fury fight? Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. Do you know... Mm. 
Six individual people videoed it off their TV and sent it to me. Really? Six? Six That's be a record. individual people you that bought- don't know each other and they just said, it's on at the box. And I'm like, I know. It's worse than COVID. You've bought that on yourself, Mark, to be honest. Um, It's a musical based on his life and his many hits. So, yeah, they just basically play out a whole bunch of hits during the musical. I'll give you a fact day to finish. I want a fact. Um, Sticking with Oxford, uh, an Oxford University study um, has concluded that men need at least two guys' nights per week to stay healthy. And I'm all on board with that. Oxford, Mm. I'm absolutely happy with that. Um, Do you want to know who the study was commissioned by? Uh, the Husbands of Philadelphia Society. Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with the results, Steph. I'm happy with the results. I'm a Guinness to that. I'll have a Guinness to that. All right. It's now time for vote. You've all been ringing for the last five minutes. $350 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. We've got a sporting moment locked in the vote. If you've been listening for the last <sighs> week... You'll be right onto it. 0800, you know the number. 0800 150 Vault after this. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Three questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Vault time. Sammy H, first thing he said after the show, did anyone get the vault after he woke up from his uh, cinematographic uh, journey, uh, which we'll get into before the end of the show. Sammy. um, Yeah, video coming uh, on Instagram. Yeah. Captain K, Sammy, I don't have the phone box up. Spun the wheel. I know all lines filled up immediately. Yeah, crazily enough, um, yeah, all the phone lines. And as Kez spun the wheel, it came on the number 10, which was the last wheel, last phone line We've available. Got We've only got 10 lines. And that is Jordan calling in. Yes. yes. Hello. <laughs> that one, brother. Johnny, 350 yop, buckaroos, yop, mate. Right. Oh, wow. Have you been following yeah. along? Well, I have been following on the last few days. I couldn't find the first day's podcast, but I think I think I've got a few worked out here there where we could start. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, about. you get three questions. Does he does he get any previous or? Well, it doesn't sound like he needs them. Oh, do you need any no, previous I don't, ones? I don't, oh, he doesn't need. I don't any. think I need any previous ones. Right, so you get. But I do need to clarify something. Ooh, is that a question? If a mile, if I if a milestone, does that include records and debuts? Is that a question, <laughs> Steph? I don't know I don't if we know. count that as a question, <laughs> uh, Jordan. I think you just got to incorporate oh. that into somehow. All right, all right then. Question right. number one. Does it? All right. So, does it um, include a personal milestone? <clears throat> Steph, not the way he's asking. I, Is I that think, what you're saying? I, I th- Jordan, I tell you what. If I answered yes or no to that question, I don't think it'd help you. Can I put it that way? Okay. So I, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, but I'm going to say if I said yes or no, it's not going to. It's not going to. It shouldn't affect which way you go. All right then. I know that doesn't okay. help, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, so we've got the format. Yep. You actually have the two teams as well. People have forgotten that, but someone actually revealed the two teams. Yeah, yeah, I've got the two teams. Okay, is it the? Is it? Um, is it? Do you know? I, I almost don't want to give a hint here. 
you, okay, you said on. we're not allowed to do okay, hints. Okay, we're not doing hints. Okay. No hints, yeah. Is it a, um, a home... Uh, hang on. Is it a home ODI series? Home for, for who? New Zealand home. Uh, was it played in New Zealand? In New yes. Zealand. Yes, it was. Played in New Zealand home ODI series. Okay. Does it involve the 2006-2007 Chapel Hadley series? Very specific. Jordan, it does not involve the 2006-07 Chapel Hadley ODI series. Wow. Okay. One more. Well, do we count the do we count the milestone one as a question, Steph? Or was no, it? because okay, it was yeah, so it's a burner, it was a burner question. Okay, okay, last question. Okay. <laughs> this is bad. This is gonna jackpot for sure. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I thought I had it. I so thought I had it. Everyone yeah. else is cheering. Everyone yeah. else is cheering. Yeah, okay. everyone's happy. But hey, you like this? There's a this is a very important question, Jordan. Because if you nail this, that could open up yeah. a lot of doors, and then you just take a stab in the dark, and you may just hit it. Okay. Um, let's go. He's got the he's got the wisdom oh, out. <laughs> the wisdom, yeah. Um, oh jeez, yeah. I'm just I'm off now. I'm just going to say, is it a um, does it involve a World Cup? No, that's already been answered, isn't it? That's I don't even know. I'm miles off. So. You, you gotta throw something at me. Throw a question at me, mate. Even Is if it's it, just a throwaway. Does it involve a World Cup? No, it does not involve a World Cup. Okay. No. All right. So you gotta just take a stab, mate. What do you think? <laughs> Was it the end? Gonna need an answer from you, Jordan. Ooh, the, the, the security guards are about to lock the doors for closing time. Putting his foot down. Jeez, yeah. Um, nah, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't even have a guess for you. I don't no. even have a guess for you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's incorrect. That's incorrect, Jordan. Uh, no guess is the incorrect answer. Um, yeah, look. Once again, Steph. Again, 400. I'm gonna, yeah, 400 uh, tomorrow. I haven't, done, I haven't done anyone any favours. <laughs> it's just at home. Uh, it's at home and it's not 2006 and the, the, 2007. Uh, and I know what happened, John. You went in with an answer in your head and once that got blown out, all of a sudden yeah, you're, you're, yeah, in, yeah, you're yeah. in sixes and For sevens. Sure, so. yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we we'll go again, listening. Steph. Good luck. Good luck to the next. Yes, 400 on Thursday. There's a question there. I don't know if you're going to let us give away that much money. There was a question there that needed to be asked. Oh, I've I've got one question. That's the hint I was going to give. There's one question that as soon as you ask that, I think you're going to go down the right path. Mm. Join us Thursday for a four hundred dollar <laughs> TV bonus bet. We're rich. Go back and listen and drill down. Back after this. Right, the um, what do we call it? The draft. I always struggle with the draft. Tuesday draft day. The Tuesday draft day where we had the top five food duos, Captain K, rattle through the various teams because there's only five minutes of voting left. Can inform Team Sammy, fish and chips, peanut butter and jam, lamb and mint sauce, pie and coke and salt and caramel. 
Team Captain K, chips and dip, bacon and eggs, mac and cheese, cuppa and bicky, and mint and chocolate. Team Staff, hot chips and tomato sauce, popcorn and ice cream, battered oysters and tartar sauce, licorice and chocolate, white bait fritters and white bread rounds out the teams. So the voting is still open, people. It's open until after the uh, 3 o'clock news. So, uh, team, Just the first, second, third. Yeah, Team Staff, five, Team Kez, Team Sam. Point 0.5 separates first and second. Wow. <laughs> Someone actually gave a first and a second equal which is kind of interesting. Um, gosh, what a fun show it's been today. I've actually quite enjoyed it, Sammy. Quite enjoyed it, Sammy. We're going to catch up in the next hour with Molly Spark, the adventure racer, and also go across the ditch with Jimmy Smith, who's looking resplendent in a mustard T-shirt today. News time. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Uh, when we spoke to Pox, Pops before, he's telling us about a Pox. guy put yeah, Pox. Uh, they put on two grand on the Phoenix Suns to beat Dallas at two dollars twenty. They're trailing by sixteen at the end of the first quarter. Uh, sixteen, eighteen. Let's be honest. You throwing that sort of money around, you don't really, you don't mind losing it, do you? Um, <clears throat> just uh, note that top vote there because we're going to reveal that. Yeah, we've, we've we've got the votes, Steph. Have you got their top one yeah, as well? Yeah, we got the vote, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, just just wondering, oh. you know, because people are on delay. Um, <laughs> do we want to do that result first or we do the Gats thing first? No, we can do the results. Um, Captain K's done the tallying. Oh, there's another one. Did you get that one? Okay. okay. Captain this K. Guy, man. Captain K. Steph, cut it out. It's Look. not about winning. Um, it's about taking oh. part. Step. It's oh. about participation. All right, before I get to the big oh, who's in first I'm, place, I'm, I'm uh, Sam, give us your prediction. <laughs> um... I think I've done poorly on this one, actually, this week. I think I've done... Oh, like, I'm happy with my five, but I don't think... You'd be happy to go are. home to a hamper of your five selected items. any day of the week, but, mm. I, but I know it wasn't a populist vote. I think, Steph, you, you've pulled in a couple of roughies with things like your white bait and your oysters. I think people that like that are going to want to text in about it. Resonates. Um, resonates. So I I think Steph, I think think I'm going Steph cares me. I think that's what I'm, my final prediction is. Yeah, well, uh, you're pretty bang on there. So uh, Steph is in the lead, uh, which pains me to say, and he is in the lead by four and a half points. So well, not uh, in the lead, I've won because voting's close. Yeah, okay. well, has it though? Because I, I like to put it up on Instagram and have a little bit of fun and get all my friends to go on Instagram. I don't mind that counting Captain the Instagram. Closed. I don't mind counting the Instagram votes. I thought you said winning Different from Adam Mark. Okay, white bait fans. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, white bait fans, get on bloody Instagram to entertain uh, these people. Different audience on Instagram. I, yeah. I think I'll pull in a couple of the oh, uh, pie and coach. Should we put it up for voting on extra time tonight as well? Different audience. <laughs> I wonder what Watto would. Yeah, I wonder what Watto would go for. He'd love a pie and a coke. No, he wouldn't. No, white don't put bait two stroke. Don't put two stroke in the Ferrari. Watto would say. Um, <laughs> okay, so so Steph has won on by four and a half. Is that right? And who's in second place, Kiz? Steph is in the lead at this point in time. <laughs> Uh, I am second, and then uh, only one and a half points behind moi is Sammy. So you are in third, Uh, I'm in second. I'll take the hit. Steph is in first, as we stand.
I'll take the hit. I, that probably puts me last overall because I've had a bunch of seconds in our <laughs> third place. So last overall, I've got to find my way back. I've got to find my way back. Did you make a, a stuff up before the one o'clock news, staff? I've just seen that text there. Yesterday. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I'll go find that. I told you it. Did you? Didn't I? No. Oh, no, I told um, Ricardo. It was basically, uh, so you know Brad that listens in. Whenever yep. I say my girlfriend at the time, Brad texts in yep. and says my girlfriend at the time. So we were talking about taking your kids to the Breakers, taking your kids to the Phoenix. And I was about to say I took my girlfriend at the time, son, to the Phoenix game. First, <laughs> first time he'd been to anything. Yep. But I had Brad in my head as I was about to say that, so I had to change it. So I said... I took my friend's boy, friend's boy to the Phoenix because I didn't want to say my girlfriend at the time. And then the text machine lit up, thanks to Temper Bedpost, uh, it lit up with them saying, uh, did your boyfriend's son enjoy the game? I thought, what are you talking about? <laughs> so thankfully, Karen, uh, Carolyn, who's eagle-eared, she said, you said you took your boyfriend's son to the football. So then I Brilliant. fessed up. I was trying to avoid saying my girlfriend at the time because Brad's listening. Upon which Brad texted in and said, I'm listening, girlfriend at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Oh, well, look, I might cut that out. It may feature in the, uh, in the tape. We've got a Christmas special coming. We've got two specials actually coming up. We've got quite a few special things coming We up. actually do, really. I'm having to keep a list of it now. It's getting out of hand. Yeah, there's so, a lot of admin going to go so on. So Nick Friday, we're going to do the big... Nick um, Friday. Nick Friday. Nick Friday. Nick Friday, we're going to do the big... <laughs> Could uh, you cut that out, please, Captain K? <laughs> it's nothing like Nick Friday. You know, Nick, Nick Limit. Did I say Nick? I'm sure I said Nick. You said Nick. Nick Friday. Yeah. Nick Friday. Nick Friday. Um, I told my skateboard. <laughs> yeah. Left my scooter outside the dairy. Uh, Nick Friday. Um, we're gonna have our we're gonna have our grand uh, end of year extravaganza. It includes all the gags, the be reels of the year from the all the shops, the all bloopers. The and look, the problem is, Steph, they're not they're not all there. There's just so many that I haven't been able to keep a track of them all. But I've got a fair few, and it'll be a good fun show. And most of them's ours, isn't it? Oh, there's a lot of ours, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of others as well. <laughs> Gee whiz, get Kimby going on a Musashi bar, and you'll find, you'll find, out, you'll find out what happens. Uh, and then we've got our Christmas date, which we, we play this out on Christmas Day, so you know, look, a lot of you are going to be enjoying family time, et cetera. But if you are travelling or you do want to put the CNZ on in the background, there will be a very special Afternoon to Staffy Christmas tape. I think every show is doing an hour show yep. for Christmas Day. Correct. And it'll play a couple of times on Christmas Day. Yep, and so we have we did that one last year. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, we rang our mums. Uh, we're going to do something a bit different this year, but there'll be highlights and all sorts on that show as well. So you've mm. got that to look forward to if you want on Christmas Day. It'll be podcasted too, so if you mm. miss it on Christmas Day, you can always go back and have a listen. It's only, Christmas is only 19 days away. It's okay. Yeah. 13 work days or 12 work days, Kirsty, stand away <laughs> and for me. Um, yeah. Well, she, that's, and so by then she'll be driving 350. Well, she years, put a post on Instagram saying, what shall I get um, my fiancé for Christmas because he's incredibly hard to buy for mm. and I'm going to suggest she, she buys them 80 metres off the tee because someone gave her that <laughs> in the last week <laughs> someone gave her that in the last oh, they gave her 100 didn't they yeah 100 yeah, 280 it's 6 weeks golf um before we go and talk to Molly Sparks, I did want to bring, it's, it just feels like the wrong time to bring it all back down to serious because I've had so much fun. But anyway, Warren Gatland had a press conference this morning, 8.30 this morning from Chiefs HQ to pretty much say, I'm gone, I'm off to Wales. We've got three little clips here. First one is uh, he was asked or he, he divulged the hiring, the hiring process to get the Wales job. Uh, Wales did a review process on, on Wednesday. 
and the results of that review were that <clears throat> they decided to make a change and so I was contacted about would you be interested in talking to us and you know I always believe it's no harm in talking so um yeah and they've they, they made me an offer and initially <clears throat> the focus for me is on the, the next nine months ten months was you know, six nations uh the exciting thing about international rugby building into a world cup is that you have that extended period and, and time together to build for a world cup where when you're in other international campaigns you get a couple of weeks with a team and you it's about having to prioritize that sort of preparation which makes it uh, challenging so yeah so i had that that approach and had to talk to the family about what they thought and their support and and kind of concluded things over the last sort of 72 hours so it's only looking at nine months which I know people don't like speculation, but I don't mind playing a little bit of a speculation game. Nine months, then Razor Robertson, <laughs> coach of Wales. It's a possibility. Uh, it's a possibility. Uh, next thing he talked about was um, expectations and performance. It's not always talking initially about about results. What you want to see is performance. You want What you want to see is, in my experience in the past, with the Welsh players, was when they put their jersey on, you know, that they're the prepared to to go to the wall for you, and in terms of you know giving a hundred percent of their of their performance, and so that's what my priority is to try and create an environment where players believe in themselves, have the confidence to to go out and perform, and and as fans, they want to see those players giving a hundred percent, and that's kind of the starting point for me. Um, and with that, then comes you know hopefully results, and and then building into the World Cup. It's you know it's a tough tough first up we've got Ireland at home but it's probably the best time to get them they're the number one team in the world and we've had pretty good success in the past against Ireland so it's about me going in there and hopefully creating an environment where the players build and confidence and we can create some expectations and belief that we can go and perform didn't seem at all daunted. He seems quite clear and concise, and um, he knows what he's going into. It's not the unknown; it's the well-known, the well-trodden path. He was at Wales for a long, long time, and finally, he had some comments for New Zealand rugby. There's one person at the moment in New Zealand who's, you know, who's been incredibly successful in terms of Razor, and you know, and he deserves an opportunity because of the success he's had in New Zealand rugby. If that comes along uh, for him. You know, in the next you know, the next period, there's you know there's only one standout person that, and New Zealand should be doing everything they can to make sure they secure his services long term and going forward. That was in response to him. I think Nigel Yeldon asked him if he still had was this the end of his desire to coach the All Blacks, and he basically put himself in second position at best because he said Scott Robertson is by far the best candidate and should get a crack. So a little sideways jab from Warren Gatlin to New Zealand rugby. But it's December the 6th. What else has happened on this day in history? 1959, blood in the water. The Olympic water polo match between Hungary and the Soviet Union became a political contest as well as a physical one in Melbourne. Soviet troops had put down a major revolt against communist rule in Hungary in early November and feelings between the two nations' athletes ran high. In the most famous water polo match ever played, referees had to abandon the contest when they lost control as the play erupted into a series of brawls. Hungary were credited with the victory as they led 4-0 when the play was halted and the Hungarians won the gold medal and the Soviets the bronze and Captain K's grandfather was at that match. Got a boat from New Zealand. 
over and watch that match. 1987, San Francisco, 49ers quarterback, Joey Montana, who Joe Bell is named after. Uh, he completed his final five passes the previous week against the Cleveland Brown and connected his first 17 passes against the Pack to an NFL record of 22 consecutive completions. In 2000, the year 2000, Antoine Jamison of the Golden State Warriors and Kobe Bryant of the LA Lakers each scored 51 points in the Warriors' 125-122 to 122 overtime victory in Oakland. A one-man gang each. Birthdays today, Otto Graham, Hall of Fame quarterback, um, passed away in 2003 but born in 21. Kiki Rosberg, Finnish auto racer, father of Nico, and raced at Manfield in the Formula Pacific Series way, way, way back when. He's 74 today. Uh, in 1977, one of the real characters of English cricket, Andrew Flintoff, he's turning 45. Uh, in 1979, uh, born on this day, 43 years old, Tim Cahill. The Netherlands in front, but Australia looking for a quick comeback. They've got it! Tim Cahill! Astonishing! Tim Cahill, astonishing. 43, gosh, I feel like all these athletes that were giving their birthdays recently seem a lot older than what I'm at because I feel like he was just playing a couple of days ago. Con the fruiter, remember that, Sam? Couple of days. Got some beautiful apples. Uh, on this day in 1992, the number one movie was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And an emotional song, a very emotional song, was number one in 1992 by the great Whitney Houston. Yes, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Um, what a musical icon she was. Um, and that was the number one song. Probably, and I remember I used to watch a lot of American Idol, don't judge me. And the number of women that came on American Idol and they said, what are you going to sing? I'm going to sing I Will Always Love You. And Simon Cowell went. Mm. <sighs> I don't know if that's the right song for your voice. Mm. And, but the Ru- odd one nailed it. Uh, I remember Ruben, Ruben Studdard. Ruben Studdard. Studdard. Was that the first one or the second one? Clay Aiken? Clay Aiken second. He came second to Ruben, didn't he? Yeah. That was one of the best. I think it was um, country music, Kelly Clarkson. She won the first one, didn't she? Yes, yes. And then it was... Oh... Is that just such the pure voice? Is it the body gut? Which is the one she yeah, this was made gut. for? Yeah. Um, do you remember American Idol? I know we're trying to Fantasia? Yeah, yeah. Her final song, and she sung it on her knees. Oh, I need to go watch that again, yeah. Porky and Bess, I think it was. Oh, my God, I thought she was amazing. Glory years of American Idol back then, man. It's, it's like in season 30 now or something. People say, I don't know why you watch that stuff. And I say, I like some people given the opportunity to get on a stage in front of people and show them what they got. And if it's not good enough, you've ticked your box. Mm, Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Uh, yeah. Potts. Paul Potts. Paul Potts. Oh. One Give me Direction. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One Direction. Anyway. Anyway, um, we're going to scoot off. Uh, when we come back, we're going to catch up with Molly Sparks. She's the adventure racer. She raced in the True West Adventure Race, a 48-hour race. She's a regular on the show. We love catching up with the, the youngest team going around. They won't be forever because they have birthdays every year as well. Uh, but they performed really, really well. I followed them on the tracking, but we'll save all my insights. Molly Spark after the break. Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh, it's a good time of the week. It's uh, just got 20 past three and we're catching up with the little champion, Molly Spark. We caught up with her last week. She was taking part in a fantastic event through mountains, through rivers, and I was going to give her a week to recover. She goes, no, I'm good to go because she's such a champ. Molly Spark, welcome in. Hello, Stephanie. <laughs> Tell us about that race. I followed it. It's 48 hours. It's mountains. It's hills. It's rivers. Give us a sort of a, a, a cut-down version of what you went through over those 48 hours. Yeah, so um, we started on in Franz Joseph um, on the west coast of New Zealand, and um, we started – 5am, so it was a very, very early wake-up. I think we woke up at like 2.30 or something like that. Ugh. And um, we started with a wee, a wee row game just to get, I suppose, everyone separated with the, um, instead of a mass start, they like, it separates everyone if you do a wee row game at the start. And um, as fair use does, we got out in the front. Um, and uh, we were in the front for about, I think, six hours. And then, um, then Tiki Tour, the second place team at that moment, um, came and caught us up on that trek. And so we were with Tiki for quite a while. And um, then we got, I think we trekked for about 14 hours. And oh. yeah, it was pretty cool. We went through um, some wicked country and we were pretty much on track lines the whole time, which are like little little pathways that you kind of follow. Um that possum trappers like go through. Okay. And so that that was pretty cool. And then we got on the pack craft first, which was exciting. And that pack craft was wicked rivers. It was like grade three, and luckily we didn't fall out. But it was such cool pack crafting. And what happened next? Oh yes, we got onto the bike, and um, we biked, and then we found out. Oh, no, actually, before the bike, we found out that we'd lost our checkpoint card. Oh, no. And so when that happens, usually you get get, you get disqualified. So we kind of lost our mojo um, off that pack craft because we thought, like, our race was over because we lost our checkpoint. So then we kind of slowed down and Tiki Tour and then team No Idea passed us. So we were in third place at that moment. And... We got to the bike stage and then we found out that um, we weren't disqualified. They just gave us a different checkpoint card. So then we got our mojo back and started biking, started paddling, did another trek. And so we were in first, second or third the whole race up until the final hour. And the fourth place team kind of caught up with us, passed us because we had lost. We were we got lost and we couldn't find this checkpoint, mm. and so <laughs> they passed us and we found out 
that they had done that. So we put the hammer on and we caught up to them with about 5K to go on the bike. And we were probably going, you know, 30, 35K an hour on the road after 36 hours of racing on our mountain bike. (laughs) And we caught up with them and it was literally a sprint bike to the finish. We, like, there was people falling off. We were in this massive bunch of, like, eight of us just trying to get this third place and we ended up sprinting to the finish because it was about a 600 meter run to the finish line like we dropped our bikes then we had our bike shoes on and we sprinted like it was literally oh my god that was like the hardest 600 meters of my life we were sprinting and we came second no fourth by one second when I was following you, because you can follow you guys, you have obviously a little GPS or, or something like that, and like not everyone takes the same path, and there was this little lake, it was probably huge, but on my um, screen it was quite little, and everyone went round one way, but you guys went the other way, and then you stayed there for a while. So I'm thinking, is that when you, you're about 500 metres from getting in the water, is that when you'd lost your check-in card? No, we lost our checkpoint card um off so there was a little what's called a portage where you have to like walk your pack craft and then go to a different part of the river or portage to uh, the rapids too big so we were portaging and then we there was a little checkpoint in the portage and um we lost it there but the moment you were talking about that was a second kind of mistake and we took the wrong kind of ridge line we couldn't find the track so we thought we would just bomb it down the ridgeline but it ended up being an absolute disaster it was like swamp we were getting caught in vines and then yeah so we lost about maybe an hour and a half two hours on that because that was a lot yeah i was gonna say you're such a positive you've always got such a positive mindset but during the race when you make the mistake does molly spark get a bit pooey (laughs) i don't i don't get i i don't I just go quiet, which is uh, weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I just go quiet and just like think, oh my God, we could not be in this. But you kind of can't get mad because, I mean, I'm not the navigator, so I don't have that stress of, holy moly, where are we? How can we get out of here? I've just got to suck it up and we'll get out there at some point. But yeah, you can't really do anything about it unless there's no point in really getting mad. Mm. What what part of the body took the biggest pounding? Well, the body's actually feeling quite good. I was actually surprised. But, mm. um, you yeah, know, the quads were a little bit sore, I think, from that final 600-metre sprint, probably. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and what's next? Um, next month, uh, January, I think, 6th, we've got... Um, the WTF again, so I remember you tracking us yep. with that last year. Um, so that will be like a 48-hour to, I think, 72-hour race. We don't know, and that's in Fiordland. Yeah, so that's exciting. So it, hopefully we can beat some of the teams that beat us on the weekend. All these seem to be in the South Island. Is that because of the geography that offers the mountains and the rivers all in all yeah. with an accessible range? Yeah, well, it's just handier for us to be in the South Island, but I'm sure there are races in the North Island, but majority of the good races are here in the South Island, just 
because of the terrain, I suppose, yeah. Mm. Well, you live in paradise. <laughs> You've got a beautiful backyard to train in and obviously compete in, so a few text messages coming in congratulating you, Molly, and wishing you all the best in the recovery, which it sounds like you've already done. So um, all of us here at SNZ and all the listeners, we wish you a wonderful Christmas and we love catching up with you. Yes, no, definitely. We'll have to catch up after after Christmas. Yeah, that would sound, sound really good. Cool, Molly, all the very best to you. Okay, thank you. Molly Spark there, our adventure racer that we keep tabs on. It just sounds so much fun. It sounds really hard, but it also sounds a lot of fun too. All right, we will take a break and we'll come back after new sport and weather. We are counting down to Christmas, and if you want something to do, um, go and jump on the grandtour.nz. That is, it's a celebration of uh, being with your family and your friends, uh, and the Grand Tour is all the great racing carnivals around the show. It goes for quite a while, so round up your crew, book it at thegrandtour.nz. Find a location yourself, and that's brought to you by Love Racing, of course, wonderful racing festival. Um... And when you're going there, take your four-wheel drive, go into the little pay-as-you-go lane at Gull, and get your economical fuel. Gull, they'll fuel your mission all year round, which includes Christmas. It does include Christmas. We talked about the Christmas take. Um, Joseph says he's looking forward to next Friday's bloopers while I'm doing the last long drive of the year from Queenstown to Christchurch. Yes, you will be listening to it. Uh, someone else says that Wayne Bennett interview needs to be in the show. It <laughs> probably will be. Um, um, I don't know what that one means. Uh, I blew up the damn earpods out of my ears and nearly fell off my office chair. The workmates thought I'd got bitten by something. Thanks, Steph. That must have been the Whitney Houston one. <laughs> um, when, uh, from Rory, when I was doing the odd concert show, I would sometimes fall through the floor. It was just the stage I was going through. Don't mind that, Rory. Did you know Whitney Houston, that Whitney Houston song, I Will Always Love You, was written by Dolly Parton. And Dolly said when she first heard it, she was driving and had to pull over and listen with tears in her eyes. She said Whitney's version was amazing and so much better than her own. Uh, can you get odds on Molly winning Kona in record time? She's a little champion, and she's getting the mileage in her, in her legs now, and um, you can imagine how good a racer she is if she wants to take it to the next level. Sort of when she gets to her mid to late 20s, she'd be amazing. Liam B said, Staff the little segments of random things non-related to sport. Add something different to the show and can be some of the funniest parts in the day. Keep up the good work, lads. Thank you, Liam. Um, I love a bit of humour that comes with the... With the drafts and the big Bicky Bonanza, it's such a laugh and well thought out. Thank you, Reid. Staff, one thing to consider in this whole coaching dilemma is Robertson has no international coaching experience. Will the public be in favour if he too can't turn around the All Blacks? Whilst the Super Rugby credentials are great, a lot of the Crusaders players are in the current All Black environment and aren't setting the world on fire. Some would say that's because Scott Robertson has got the little Lucifers that light the Crusaders' fires. Also, hopefully he doesn't do a Mitchell and Deans by picking just Canterbury players. If so, would mean that the end, that would be the end of Artie in favour of Christie, Blackadder and Barrett that he's coached. Just a side point to ponder, which I thank you for, Rick. 
I thank you for Rick. Uh, Phil, just uh, block your ears. Um, NFL oh. halftime Monday night football. Uh, and the NFL staff got the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the New York New Orleans Saints. Um, Tom, when I was at the TAB, did you know what we called the Tampa Bay Pucket Buccaneers? What did you call them? We used to call you Shutcher. Mm-hmm. Shutcher's playing today. Sure. Shutcher Buccaneers. Okay. I'm not a Buccaneers fan. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm a Tom Brady fan. Uh, Tommy Touchdowns. So, Although he's behind, Phil. Hopefully, hopefully you've still got years blocked. Uh, 10-3 at halftime in favour of the Saints. The Bucks randomly are, are first in the, what are they, NFC South or whatever. Oh, I can never um, figure those out. They're first with like a five and six record. Mm. So they're just winning a very bad division. Uh, but they're losing right now 10-3 to the Saints. I told you last night I watched the 30 for 30 called the Tuck, which was yes. a very controversial call. It was 04 or something? It yeah. was fascinating. It, it was Tommy's... Tommy's uh, build up to his first Super Bowl. Oh, so 02, was it? Or 01, 02. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but they had Charles Woodson in who uh, created the fumble slash incomplete pass. And Charles Woodson was round at Tommy Touchdown's place, sitting on their couch, going through that play. And I never thought I would watch an hour dissection of one play. But then they started talking about how their relative careers would have been if it had have been ruled incomplete, uh, was ruled incomplete pass, but if it was ruled a fumble, Oakland would have won. Oakland would have won. Tommy touchdowns out, and and Charles Woodson said to him, "What would have happened if we had won that game and carried on?" He said, "Because we had the team to win the Super Bowl, you went on to win the Super Bowl." And Tommy said, "I would have been the backup quarterback." Yeah, hundred percent. And, and they would have held Drew Bledsoe, but because they went on and won Super Bowl. They ditched Drew Bledsoe and stuck with Tommy. Yeah, and Oakland fans are still bitter. Man, you talk to them about it to this day; they are very bitter. Mm, but they got the they got the head referee on, talked through the decision. I'm not going to ruin it for you. All the thirty for thirties are on uh, YouTube. It's well worth a look. It was fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Uh, we're going to go across to Jimmy Smith very shortly. He's still talking, so I'm guessing he's still on air. So we always try and time our ad breaks at exactly the same time. So if we're behaving, we'll go now. He'll go now. We'll come back with Jimmy Smith after this. We'll be going to Australia momentarily, I think, if Jimmy Smith went we'll to the ad break. There it is. To say that. There he is. It's, um, I think his name's Mark Stafford from SENZ. Hello, Mark. Hello, Jimmy. Resplendent <laughs> in a mustard T-shirt today, I must say. It, it was with me. Uh, what was it? In the drawing room? <laughs> what, was, what was Cluedo? Remember Colonel Mustard? Yeah, with the iron pipe in the dining room. With the, with the iron pipe in the dining room, invariably. Oh, lead, pipe, lead pipe, actually. Lead pipe, yeah. Hey, uh, here's, the, uh, here's the question I want to ask you. Right. Is Brendan McCullum the one that got away from, like, the way that his team is playing this aggressive brand of cricket, I heard Mark Waugh say that he's, he's cha- he and Ben Stokes are changing, and there's another Kiwi, changing <laughs> the way that test cricket is being played. Why is he not coach of the New Zealand test side? Um, I think he will be in time. I think he will come back and coach New Zealand in time. Um, but it's just like a, a lot of players don't want to coach a team that had players that they used to play with. If sure. you get what I mean. So yep, Stephen, yep. I think Stephen Fleming's potentially our next coach because he said the same thing when he retired. So he's probably just waiting for bloody Tim Southey to hang up the boots so he can come and coach New Zealand. <laughs> is he the last of them? Is he the way? I, I think that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's oh, it. So that's... I would think the next progression will be Stephen Fleming and then Brendan McCullum. Yeah, okay. So there's another one, highly credentialed coach Stephen Fleming. You're, you're producing... 
the the cricket coaches, you little shaky aisles, you. Oh, do you want to talk about rugby coaches as well? They're all over the globe. Well, you know, that's to be anticipated, but mm-hmm. we've still got our man Eddie still. Just. With, with, <laughs> just. Just hang, hanging on there, Ed. Till tonight, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, were you at all surprised knowing Eddie as you do? And look, I don't know Eddie very well, but I know some of the character traits of Eddie. Uh, that's been explained to me by people who've been coached by Eddie and, and people who have uh, coached with Eddie. Um, the fact that there's basically a mutiny at yeah. the RFU to, to yeah. get, get out from Ed. Is there any surprise with that, Steffi? Not really. Like, I think no. I think... I think Eddie's really good at what he's good at, and he's he's like a campaign manager. And then once the campaigns run out, he hasn't got another campaign. So, yeah. and he's really really good at one offs. And um, you know, the rumours that were around before is he's he's got something like an eight year contract waiting for him with USA Rugby. Now that that's going to be more than one campaign, but um, that's right. It'll be interesting to see where he does it end up because he hasn't confirmed the American thing. I know the Americans are making a move for him. Um, gosh, there's even rumours that he might end up with the Wallabies again if Dave Rennie doesn't make the review. It's um, it's all up in the air. It's such a big call though. What are we, nine months out mm. from Rugby World Cup for them to be making that decision on Eddie? I mean, you'd, you'd want to have a capable replacement just to walk straight in. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've caught up, but Wales sacked their coach and they've hired Warren Gatlin back. So they got rid of Wayne Pivak, who's a Kiwi. They've signed on uh, Warren Gatlin, who's a Kiwi, who took them to three Six Nations titles. He's coached three Lions tours. Of course, Scott Robertson is still floating around. There were links with him to England. It doesn't look like he's going to get that. They're going to go Steve Borthwick, who's a former England player and the current assistant coach. Where's Razor Robertson going to go? Probably back to the All Blacks, if not, if Rennie loses. There's just this, Matt, we've, we did two hours on it today and we're none the wiser what's going to happen. Yeah, right, right. Um, but all very fascinating. We get fascinated by Eddie because Eddie's, you know, he was going to be Australian hooker. Then this bloke from reserve grade got picked ahead of him, Phil Kearns, who stayed there for a decade. Thanks yeah. very much. But, <laughs> but, you know, the intensity that Eddie brings, we saw it when he had England out here and he tried to fight someone in the crowd. That's <laughs> he'd right. Won the, That's... He'd won the series and he still wanted to fight someone. <laughs> That's right. It's funny you say that because Warren Gatlin was behind Sean Fitzpatrick for 10 years as well. The little, ah. the little angry hookers make good coaches. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so here's the other one that we're doing today, mate. Mm. Now, you, I know you've been around this game for, uh, I won't say exactly how long because that'd embarrass you, but... Um, the Aussie cricket team walked into a, a pub across the road from uh, Perth Stadium after the, the test match, right? And they were just having a beer with the, with the locals, the, the people who'd been to the ground, which is most unusual for the modern-day sports person, right? So we've thrown it open to the listeners. Who would you like to sit down and have a beer with? And you get the opportunity to ask them one question. Where you go? Who are you sitting down with, Steffi? From the Australian cricket team? No, you can expand beyond that. Any person that you've had anything to do with or admired from afar, from near, at any point during the course of your professional career? Tiger Woods. Right. Okay. And what's the question? I can't tell you. That's between me and Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what our man Coach K said? He wanted to sit down with Luke Longley and then ask him about Michael Jordan. And I said, look, we're suspending belief here, right? Why don't you just sit down with Michael and just ask him the same question? But Tiger Woods, okay. Is it? Can I ask you this about the question you would ask Tiger Woods? Mm. Is it golf-related? 
Because it may not be. Well, I could I could ask him about um, how he became so expert with his one iron. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this very, that's, is that cryptic gonna, enough? Yeah, I'm just going to straight bat that straight back down the wicket. Well bowled, sir. <laughs> well bowled. Hey, did you hear? Uh, we had a, a writer over here, Will Swanton, who talked about um, Steve Williams, and Steve Williams told the yarn about uh, going along in a car with Tiger. They had they just completed the third round and they were getting ready for the fourth round. It was Canadian Open. It was very early on in his career. And he said, Tiger was there and he said, stop the car. <laughs> so he stopped the car. He got out a five iron out the back of the car and just was there for 15 minutes, just swinging the club, swinging the club, just perfecting something. And then he got back in the car and he said, no, I'm right. <laughs> and, and then the next day on the 17th, played this amazing five iron out of a bunker to ensure that he won the Canadian Open. But that level of obsessiveness, yeah, I, I find fascinating. We've got our own in Steve Smith. Steve Smith bats for hours in front of the mirror, yeah. just getting things right. And I could do a show on Steve Smith and how annoying he is. I, I'm not <laughs> taking away the class. He's a wonderful batter, but, geez, he's a hard watch. See, I find him an easier watch, certainly now this year. And actually... To a degree, Manus has calmed down. But Manus, Labashain, for the last couple of Labashkagni. years. Labashkagni. You think That's you? right. Yeah, right. He's been a really hard watch. Yes. A really – I know he's Australian, but if you just say he was, oh, for example, a Kiwi, <laughs> gee, he'd be easy to hate. <laughs> yeah, hate's a strong word, but I hear you. It is a strong – it is a strong word. I hear you. Although, in saying that, mate, you know my two favourite sports people growing up, and I don't know why this was, but, you know, cricket and rugby league, rugby league and cricket, they're my staple. Yeah. Mark Graham. Oh, great choice. Mark Graham. And he was on the cover of my commerce book in year eight. Had a poster. Nice. My commerce book. And Richard Hadley. Wow. Yeah. Sir Richard. Everyone hated Sir Richard. I loved Sir Richard. Oh, Sir Richard's a wonderful human. Is he? Oh, He's a special man. He's right. a little bit. I've got sixty seconds to tell a quick story about Sir Richard. So he went into the Cricket Hall of Fame or the Team of the Century or whatever it was, and they're all presented with a with a like a ceramic or something brass bust of them of the head. And there was the big Christchurch earthquakes, and it fell off his mantelpiece, and it shattered. So he went to New Zealand Cricket, said, my big bust is shattered, and I want another one. And they're very expensive. So they went to World Cricket, and they said, okay, we'll give him another one. So New Zealand said, yeah, we've got to come and get it. And he says, no, I want it presented to me again. So they put on, <laughs> so they put on a big gala thing to represent him with it. <laughs> oh, Sir Richard, I think that's exactly why most of Australia hated him. But anyway... <laughs> We love you, Staffy. Love you too. Nine for 26, Richard Hadley. Nice stuff. Catch you next uh, week. There you go. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. Was it nine for 26? I think it was. Nine for something. Back in a mo. Still doesn't get it. Sam Hewitt. Yeah, that's it, Sammy. That we now on here. Um, TAB need a futures market on Molly Spark winning the coast to coast. She will go in the coast to coast one day, and we will follow that. Graham says, hey, Staff, when do you guys finish for the year? Cheers, Graham from Marlborough, from New Northland. Um... I finish on the 16th, but I think, I mean, the station's not closing down, but I'm, uh, I've got this week, not tomorrow, McIver will be with you tomorrow. Remember, he's got Marcus Armstrong coming on the show, which will be awesome, and I think Glenn Ashby from Team New Zealand as well. I'm going to, once and for all, try and go and get this blimmin' shoulder sorted out. 
I'll be here Thursday, Friday, and then Monday through Friday next week. Got a lot of fun things for you coming up next week. But Kirsty's at the window. She's ready to come and um, wonder if she's going to share how she hits the ball 280 metres. That's the story that just keeps on giving. Uh, so Kirsty and the run home is coming to you from four. Thank you to Captain Kate. Thank you, Sammy H. I'll catch you all Thursday.